Tuesday, May the 31st, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We got a fandom-heavy episode of That's What G Said for you, but we're going to kick things off talking about the Louisiana Downs Tuesday races, and then we'll get into episodes one and two of Obi-Wan Kenobi with Matt Velasco. It's the new show on Disney+, Plus, the Star Wars show, and it heads back and revisits Obi-Wan. So we're very excited to talk the first two episodes of that. Spoiler alert, we'll get into everything in our deep dives that happen in those first two episodes. And then we finish up Moon Knight, episode six. The series ended a couple weeks ago, and I'd, I'd had Moon Knight, and I was sort of just waiting for the right time to play it. So now we've got that complete series uh, finished for you, and we'll be heading along with Obi-Wan recaps each and every week. On this episode, that is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at BTV Bets. Go give them a follow right now on Twitter. They have free content for you every single day. If you're a, a sports better, a handicapper, a horse player, you will love all the content that they have. Different handicappers, gamblers from all around the world providing their insights. I host daily shows over there. Uh, Basketball coverage, uh, horse racing coverage, um, jockey interviews, previews for big golf events, big tennis events. So anything that's happening in the world of sports. Once football starts, we'll have previews for every single football game over at BetterThan.Vegas. Game previews, props, how we're playing, numbers to look for. BetterThan.Vegas at BTV Bets. Give them a follow. Let's jump right on in to the horse racing portion of this episode. We're going to talk some Tuesday Louisiana Downs. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. 
Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com better you want to spread your pony knowledge Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Stable Duel daily horse racing games. Fantasy horse racing is, is basically what you're playing here. It's like a DFS lineup. You have to build your lineup around a salary cap. So you're picking horses from each race at a particular track where they have contest and you're not allowed to pick the favorites in every race. You just can't put them all in your lineup. So you really have to be a sharp handicapper. You have to be able to find some price horses throughout the sequence and uh, stable duel will give you the opportunity to make a ton of money each and every day. So the schedule coming up this week as the calendar turns to June for Wednesday, Delaware parks, horseshoe, Indiana and Penn national have Contest and Assiniboia Downs all on Wednesday. Thursday, you've got Gulfstream, Delaware. You've got uh, Penn National with different games for you. Then on Friday, it's Penn Mile Night. There's a big contest there. Also games at Gulfstream Park, Hawthorne, and Santa Anita. Then on Saturday, Gulfstream, Hawthorne, and Santa Anita. All different options for your contest. Sunday, you've got Gulfstream, Emerald, and Santa Anita. And then even to Monday, You've got Parks and Cinnaboya Downs, so all sorts of different options for you to play in stable dual games. Get those entries in and play, race, win. Let's play, race, win our way on over to Louisiana Downs. Tuesday, Louisiana Downs, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the card. Let's run on through. Remember, I'm out helping out Louisiana Downs on the broadcast before and after every race, providing selections, analysis, and let's talk Louisiana Downs race number one for Tuesday. I'm going to look at the three here. Keep on dreaming. Doesn't look like there's a lot of speed in here. These are maidens, $5,000 claimers, fillies and mares, Louisiana bred seven furlongs on the distance. Keep on dreaming showed speed in both of his first two starts. His debut, the last place finisher, Miss Emma Jean won next out. She's already run second at this meet against 15 non-winners of two. Keep on dreaming on May the 21st, broke in, bumped, Bounced off the rival, got crossed over on, and was last. It was 10 lengths off. Now they're going to drop in against Maiden 5, second off the short break. She's the only horse in this field that's really shown any speed at all in some of her prior races. And now she's going to stretch out. 
think she's the one to catch in here. Keep on dreaming. Three, five, four for me in race number one. As we move along to the second race, it's Louisiana bred non-two allowance, a mile on the turf course here. Good old Charlie is going to be the play for me now. He has not run since June of 2021, but this barn has won with horses off of a long layoff like this, and with his running style, he should only have to really get going for like the last quarter mile or so. His two turf races, he faced a horse named Manglison, who won by 10 and has won four of the next seven races since, including a stakes. And then back in December, he was behind a next out winner who uh, and, and two other next out winners. There were a total of three in that race. Good old Charlie is the play for me. Big Scully looks like the horse to beat. The eight, Heartthrob Halo. The dam never won on turf, but did finish second and third in six tries and has a winning turf sibling. I have him two, six, eight. If you wanted to go a little deeper, it would be the five, Pop Ringo, and uh, the four actually got scratched out, I believe, one for Vivi. In race number three, the six horse will be the play for me. Susan Jones, she was right with the leaders early on, uh, but they lined up five across the track, and she was hooked widest of all. That was her first start since February. Now she's going to drop in from 12.5 to 5,000, and with lots of layoff lines, she's been finally able to put two starts together here. I think she's going to get a lot out of that race. The number six, Susan Jones, I'll be using with the two Botox this might be a little bit shorter than where she's at her best, but she's an obvious player right back. The concern is just her, she has one race at five and a half furlongs, and she won. It was in the slop, but everything else has been beyond six. So I'm not sure if they have thought she was a horse who wanted to go short. Little sister Lou just cry, crossed the wire first at this level at Evangeline was DQ'd, and also the horse that Botox lost to, Alberta Moon, came back to win on Monday by four lengths. So sharp. Fourth race kicks off the pick four, 15% takeout. In this pick four sequence, you have huge fields on Tuesday. Fields of 10, 11, 7, and 7 in the other two. In race number four, a mile and a 16th on the turf course, the two super handyman should take a nice step forward in his second start off the long layoff. He loomed up at the top of the lane with a big bold bid. And he just came up a little bit flat late. It was his first start since September. I think he's going to be a little bit more fit today. He'll save all the ground and come running. The number eight, Banjo Bill, feels like the one to catch. He has not won since 2020, but he is proven at Louisiana. And this, this looks like a spot where he has the opportunity to get comfortable out front. The entry, the 1 and the 1A are going to be tough in here. I think I would lean towards the 1A of the entry, but I think both of them are very logical. Sierra Hotel going third start off the bench seems a fit at the level. And then the number 11 horse who's going to be going second start off that long, long layoff. This 8-year-old has defeated much better and shown versatility in his running style. If he's able to take a step forward and, and has a little bit left in the tank, he could be tough in here. In race number five, $17,500 claimers, non-winners of two, six furlongs on the dirt. I like the four in here, Into Wishing, who faced a, a nice horse named Jack, Bob, and Larry on May the 8th. Into Wishing will go second off the short little break. I'm a little bit worried that six furlongs could be a tad short for him. He has one at six furlongs, but he just seems like he might be a little bit better going longer with his running style, but I'll still lean towards him on the top. The one mist of time is not a win machine, but does run very well, more likely than not. And he's faced better in a lot of his races. It, it wouldn't be a shock to see him win this one. Far Beyond was down inside, chasing, kind of got the sneaky shuffle a little bit. Tripper John feels like the one to catch, but again, he's not a win machine either. 
Don't really know what to do with the two deal me in bud coming in from Oaklawn. I went four one five seven in here with some major question marks about the two. In race number six, a mile on the turf course, first level allowance runners. The five Swizzle City has finally been able to string some races together, and and he she looked really good um, last time out in winning. She settled fifth, and she was getting a really nice trip. She made an early move to the lead, and. I'm expecting uh, her to continue to step forward for Shane Wilson and Jose A. Guerrero. The number seven, Country Time, was uh, trying a race off the turf last time out. Just put a line right through that and now gets back to the green. The number four will also be an exotic CC Harbor, whose turf debut was really good. And then she's been on the dirt in three tries since. Um, one more that you may be uh, looking to include in some exotics. Uh, the one, one A, you know. Uh, I, I think Lady Valentine with the speed there and the the turf, uh, the prior turf form would be the one I prefer, but you probably get some speed from both um, or whichever part of the uh, the entry um, decides to show that pace. Closing things out, Louisiana bred 5,000 non-winners of three, six furlongs of the distance. I thought the 10 was kind of interesting from the outside. Wicked Alex, he's drawn the rail in four of his last five starts. He actually had a fast start. From the rail last time out, he was up to third. Um, he settled third. He was kind of up to make a bid, and then he was in a little bit tight late. I think that should be a good race to set him up for this one. He moves outside. Wicked Alex on top for me. The six no quarter should be pretty tough off of that last effort. The eight horse will also be uh, in the mix for me. Sweet Rachel coming off the recent win, and both of the wins have been at Louisiana Downs. And then the one, the Thimble, is another who was a, a last-out winner and will try to string a couple victories together. 10-6-8-1 for me. That is Louisiana Downs Tuesday. Best of luck in your wagers. We've been doing really well out at Louisiana Downs. If you're not playing along, if you're not paying attention, start. They have low takeout at the win play show. They have low takeout in the pick four, pick five, turf and dirt racing. And uh, if you need any help, we'll always be watching those races and getting you all set up. So Louisiana Downs Tuesday, let's shift on over and start talking some Obi-Wan with Matt Velasco. Spoiler alert, we're going to get into episodes one and two of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Matt Velasco joins for a deep dive. We get into everything, scene-by-scene recaps of episodes, well, parts one and two. We're, we're, We're doing that now. You can't really call these episodes one and two because that gets confusing with Star Wars episode, the movies. So Matt and I are going to be calling these parts, part one, part two, because episodes will just make everything way too confusing. We talk Obi Wan Kenobi part one and part two right now on That's What She Said. It is very exciting to dive back into the world of Star Wars. It's time to talk some Obi-Wan Kenobi episodes one and two dropped on Disney Plus. And now every Friday, there will be another episode of this Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So anytime there's something going on in the world of Star Wars, we got to get the bat signal ready for the main man, Matt Velasco, to join us and uh, and dive on in. And this is going to be fun, Matt, because you and I have not even really talked very much at all about our thoughts on this. We just sort of set up when we were going to talk, and I didn't, I didn't hit record right away. So we're going to dive into each episode separately, but just give us some of your overall thoughts. We got the two episodes together, so most people, I'm sure, have watched them both right off the bat. What's your feel after uh, watching these first two? Yeah, um, so I was something of an Obi-Wan naysayer in the sense I love the character, right? 
I was skeptical about the show. Mm-hmm. I remain, I have a kind of top level concern that we'll get to. But when it comes down to it, I really liked these first two epi- episodes. I really enjoyed them. They really stayed with me. I was thinking yeah. about them for, for you know, the days after uh, my initial view. And then, of course, I, I rewatched. And there's a quality to the show in the pace and in the direction that feels assured. Mm-hmm. I I have... I, I think it's unlikely we're going to get an episode three of Obi-Wan, which was like the episode three of Boba Fett, mm-hmm. where I felt like the rug was pulled out from under us. And, and we went and in we, a totally different direction. And we were moving in a totally different direction. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, there are there's a big question about where the show goes from here. If mm-hmm. this these two p- episodes were something of really were just about getting Obi-Wan to now need to seek out vader mm-hmm. and if the plot with leia or the you know subplot if it turns out to be a subplot with leia will essentially be be over um so yeah i really liked it i think it it it, it brought warm feelings to my heart to quote yoda <laughs> me too it it the quality was very good too and, and you know it's hard not to compare like a lot of these shows now to some of the other disney plus shows and marvel stuff and other yeah. star wars stuff and i thought the quality just felt very, very good. There have been a few of the MCU um, shows or maybe episodes or just like little scenes here and there with some of the issues going on with CGI and apparently backlogs and all that stuff that they don't look sometimes as quality or little things don't feel maybe as movie quality. I thought this was was very good. Like attention to detail. It, it did feel like a movie almost the first two episodes, you know, just felt like yeah. um, right back in that Star Wars world. So I was yeah, I was very, very pleased and really excited about where we're going to go moving forward. And uh, I mean, Matt, we we opened up with just like the most amazing edit of the prequels. <laughs> just like I just there was oh. no way. No way I was going to skip that. Even on right? my rewatch, I didn't skip it. Oh, no. Um, like, fantastic. I, it's so, yeah, it was like <laughs> previously on the prequels. I mean, who is watching this show without having seen the prequels? And yet. I actually think that was my initial take. I think probably a lot of people will jump into the show without having seen the prequels or without having seen them in for 15 plus years. A lo- in a long time. Yeah, right. in a while. And right. and like you said, this this thing went like minutes. You know, this wasn't like a like a little small 30 second previously on. This was like a like multiple minutes getting us all set up right back in this world and um the 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 little description of the episode just t- sort of tells us that the series begins 10 years after the dramatic events of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, where Obi-Wan faced his greatest defeat, the downfall, the corruption of his best friend, Jedi apprentice Anakin Skywalker, who turned evil Sith Darth Lord, Va- uh, Lord Darth Vader. And so uh, Tatooine is the harsh desert world where the farmers toil in the heat of the sun's backwater planet on the edge of civilized space, just sort of uh, the setup for episode one. And wow, I mean, this that. That little edit. Like, if you hadn't watched the prequels, though, and you watch that, it's like, these movies are fantastic. And it's funny because you and I think high, more highly of them than I think most people do. But damn, that was like a great highlight reel. It was a it was a great edit. I mean, I, I also think there is something, you know, there's been a lot of discussion around this prequels renaissance that this show represents. That's probably an overstatement. But, you know, the 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 kids 
you know, myself included, who grew up with the prequels are now adults. They are paying Disney Plus subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, they love the Clone Wars, which in many ways are extensions uh, and, and a, a refinement of the prequels in some way. And, you know, to sh- to start off the show, not only, right, to bring people up to split up to speed but there was no effort of like a alec guinness clip of you know the classic obi-wan like before the dark times before the empire like they clearly could have could have done a little bit of original trilogy mm-hmm. um contextualization or framing but they just it's it's prequel start finish full stop which absolutely you know deborah chow has said in interviews that you know the prequels are really what she went to it's what people should revisit if they want to understand her her kind of creative headspace uh, uh, with the show. Um, you saw this a lot. The celebration just happened, and I I watched a you know a few clips that were on, on YouTube. Star Wars Celebration, huge fan mm-hmm. convention in Anaheim, and you really feel the prequel love. I mean, just bringing yeah. back Hayden <laughs> Hayden Christensen. I, I can't remember where I read this. Another podcast article. It's like the idea of Hayden Christensen in a Star Wars show like 10 years ago being being brought back in is almost unfathomable. I know. Right? Disney Disney buys Lucasfilm, I think 2012, right? Eventually we get the sequel trilogy in 2015. The tone, the marketing for Force Awakens is, hey everyone, the Star Wars you really love is back, right? Yeah. You know, the the we're home. Chewie, we're home. That's 2015, right? Seven mm-hmm. years later, it's <laughs> it doesn't feel like this yeah this wouldn't have been like accepted and well received but we're it's so w- what they've been able to do with with a few characters and and I think Marvel's done this really well too is sort of you know do um do 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 like fixing right fixing some things here and there with with the opportunities now to dive into you know these characters a little bit more and to I, I think us as fans are very, very willing to give them a chance to do that. Um, which, like you said, I, th- I don't think uh, even five years ago, maybe, they, you know, but now with the streaming services and maybe just that things are a little bit more like low key, it's not a movie. So it doesn't feel as much in, in a weird way. The movies are great, but then it's like if you swing and miss on a Star Wars movie, people are just furious. And maybe it's a little bit lower lower level yeah. with these shows, but you're right. That's a great point. And it's really cool to see how much people are excited for him to, uh, to get a chance to revisit this character. And just from where, where we end at the end of episode two, and we're going to get into our deep dive in just a moment. We'll start, uh, we'll start getting through episode one, but at the end of episode I, I, two, you know, I think yep. we need to call them part one or part, part two, two because right? I'm thinking of Phantom Menace and Attack. My, no, you're, my, no, you're right. My you're mind right. starts thinking of no, Phantom you're right. Menace part, and Attack that's a, no, that, So we'll say part one and part two. That's a, that's a great point because if we, we can't just say because there's so much crossover with things that happened in those right. movies that we could be talking about here. So it could get confusing. So yeah, part at the end of part two, when we see the first glimpse that we see in this series of Darth Vader isn't of Vader it's actually of Anakin and so it, I that's something that I think we're going to get a chance to see a lot more obviously Hayden Christensen wouldn't be in here if we weren't going to see some of him but that was the, a, a good like it, it is creepy and cool of a way to end these first two parts with, with just that and the Anakin you know just yeah. right there like loved it I think you know, that kind of brings up one of my biggest questions moving forward is 
how much does this become the Obi-Wan and Vader show? Right. And how much is Vader teased until part six, maybe mm-hmm. part five, part six? Yeah. And, and, you know, if they go the, the first route, right, making it really a much more even tango between these two, you know, uh, former brothers now sworn enemies, how, are we going to spend time alone with Vader? That's like, what I mean. I, I, I've been and, hearing, and I'd have no, this is just what I've heard, not even anything that I've seen as a quote or said from any of the creators, producers, anyone involved with the show, that there might be like a soul Vader episode. Yeah. Like what I, I've been in Book of Boba, you know, one of those where it's just him and maybe even a lot of him not in the suit, you know, not in, in with, with the helmet and not like looking like the old man that we saw in the back to tank. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost, I'm both excited and worried about Completely that. Completely agree. Vader, we, I, they do this in the comics. You get a lot of introspection of Vader. You, you see him remembering and recalling his former self, um, remembering Padme. And mm-hmm. this show's already started to use, you know, fl- dream, dream flashbacks, however you want to call them. Yep. Right. Uh, and one can imagine it would be very powerful to see Vader or you know, tapping into Anakin's self and his memories. And I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that because part of how I've always understood Vader is as um, you know, Anakin is dead inside in the sense yeah. that he 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 says this to Luke, right? That name no longer has any meaning for me. And it may be that this show is going to sh- to really put the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. Um, that's, it's a more, it would be a more interesting show for that. And, but I think it would also be a riskier show. Yeah, well, it, it'll be, it would be very similar to like what they did with Boba, you know, mm. because you start telling this story about this guy and you try to humanize him maybe a little bit too much. And, and, and I don't know that then where are you? Like, who is Boba Fett now? You know, like we we know less like we know less about like who the guy is now after his show. <laughs> like it's just like he had, like then then yeah. sort of like before who we sort we had this idea of this evil bounty hunter guy. But I think they tried to flesh him out, and that was both good and bad in some cases. There were some yeah. things that we really enjoyed the stuff with the Tuscans, the some of the tribal stuff there. But then in other cases, it seemed like they played on that a little bit too long. I will, I will say immediately though the pacing of this show is is different. It was great. Like, yeah. like you, you get that. The pacing was was really good and we will dive into part 1 of Obi-Wan Kenobi after we got that really great edit of the prequels and a lot of the key important moments from there. We got the Star Wars title and we open in Coruscant in a younglings training session and I, I, I right away I'm like no. Uh oh! You're right. Right away, you don't feel good about this. You can sort of sense where we're going here, and this is the the stormtroopers enter, and it's the night of the order of the order sixty six. And what's even worse is the poor younglings that are training. They're not. They don't even have their lightsabers with them. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're just doing like exercises and stuff. And so these stormtroopers just come in on them, and they have their one. Jedi, who I believe was named uh, Minus Velti. I think they, it's a new character. As far yeah, as they they haven't. There was no reference to this person anywhere. I, I thought before, but just the the person that was leading the class, and she is the only one with a lightsaber, and she's doing everything she can to fend off 
these stormtroopers to protect her students. Kind of really sad thinking about what just what went on in the world recently too, huh? Kind of like very like, yeah. oh goodness. Um, and it this is like a really start like you know in pretty intense start right off the bat. They 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 hit you with it right away. And we the creepy part here is too, you know, when you hear the Palpatine Palpatine's voice over the loudspeaker. Is that what that was? Six, yeah. You can hear his voice. It's like over like a PA almost that's being like played, and it's just like execute order sixty six. Yeah, and so I heard I heard something. This I didn't notice the first time around. I heard something the second time around, but I didn't. I meant to go back with uh, with uh, closed captions. Okay, all right. Well, this goes to show I need to watch the show one more time. So. And and that's that's why we are a team. That's why yeah. we uh, we are here to help each other because there are things I may notice and uh, y- that you don't, and you may that I don't. And these younglings, the the visuals of this sort of like inside the palace. There's a group of about six of these younglings being trained, and so these these kids start to run off after Minas Velti buys them enough time to escape. A group of these kids are able to make it away. And as we see them run off below them, we can see like the entire part of the the huge palace area. There are a couple Jedis on the floor fighting a bunch of different stormtroopers. One dude does a really cool like force push. But so just a visual of this that we haven't really seen before. It was such a kinetic. I mean, I was. I was totally thrown by, I think we start with the Coruscant skyline and my mind was like, wait, we're not starting on Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not a, not a shot of the desert. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the kind of they're moving in, you know, kind of almost this like synchronized, uh, meditative movement. And it's so sudden that the, uh, storm, uh, stormtroopers, clone troopers, blast through really it caught me off guard i thought it was an effective way to you know we've seen order 66 in episode three we've seen order 66 in the clone wars right we've seen order 66 in the bad batch like Mm -hmm. we've seen multiple perspectives on this but this was the most like it was like you were there right chaotic embodying what it would Mm -hmm. have been like to have been a witness to it because of the the camera movement also you were in like the first person perspective yeah first person perspective yeah yeah that's that's you're right like we we've seen this exact thing before but it still felt fresh it It, felt different and that's um just so chaotic feel to the start of this and one of these younglings they haven't said this, but we are being led to believe that one of them is a character that we're going to be introduced to not long after Riva. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. Th- these kids run off together, and you know, some blue and green lightsabers on the floor as they're uh, they're able to make it out, and that's when the Obi One title screen pops up, and it's uh the the letters are in sans and the eye in the very end of Kenobi is in a uh, a lightsaber and now we are into most Eisley. this is probably where we thought we were going to open up right they gave us this incredible scene right off the bat to start now we get to most Eisley, and this says 10 years later so where we are right now is just from a timeline Standpoint. Think about it as nine BBY. We're ten years after the night of Order sixty six, the Revenge of the Sith, and we're nine years before A New Hope. 
mm-hmm. just um, is yeah. where the uh, where we are right now. And there's a big loud noise in a, a huge ship that flies overhead. A lot of the people in the town look kind of scared and startled. And a couple of inquisitors get off the ship. There are three of them. The Grand Inquisitor is one, and they're looking around. They walk over into a cantina. They approach the bartender, and the bartender, he asks the bartender, do you know what we do? He says, you hunt Jedi. So the Grand Inquisitor gives us a little exposition right off the bat to kind of introduce these characters for people who may not know. He says, in actuality, I would say the Jedi hunt themselves. Do you know the key to hunting a Jedi? It's patience. Jedi cannot help what they are. He goes on a, a very long uh, little speech here. Compassion, their compassion leaves a trail. In our line of work, rumors run rampant. Here's one I just heard. There's a Jedi hiding right here in your saloon. Let's say ours is a wanderer. Maybe he's looking for people like him. He comes across this establishment. He sees you, a man in need. Maybe the locals are stealing from him or from you. They're threatening you. So the Jedi, what is he to do? Help you and risk the exposure or move on? If he were smart, he'd keep moving. But the Jedi code is like an itch, so he cannot help it. He steps in and saves your saloon. His compassion is undoing. And as the Grand Inquisitor says this, he lays it all out on the table. He's he's baiting this Jedi. He knows and he's setting it up, saying, Jedi will always try to do good. They will try to be the uh, the one to save every everything, everyone, even if it puts them in a bad position, like what happens next. As Reva, one of the Inquisitors who is with the Grand Inquisitor, she throws a dagger Right at the face of this bartender But it stops Right before it's about to hit him So someone in this room Matt is using the force They have used it To stop this dagger and to save this man's life And quickly They are able to locate the man who's sitting In a table there who has Who is the Jedi Yeah the the Inquisitors are are, I mean they they obviously have really good Intel right there this, you know, backwater area, it's not even part of the empire, right? As they explained in the show, um, you know, a single bar tavern, right? This is like pretty low level stuff. And that's something that Reva complains mm-hmm. about. And it's kind of interesting to, you know, I don't know if this was the intention, but they're both, you know, I, I find the Inquisitors both, you know, kind of frightening and terrifying, but also in a sense, kind of low level right they're they're not accompanied by by a garrison right no they seem to be almost working off book and later they have a code for sure right they're not like rogue trying to just blast everyone and kill you they're in it for the money they're in it as a business you they're they're almost i mean i'm guessing they're kind of you know this is a a vader project Mm -hmm. that they they don't this sounds weird right i don't they the whole time i was watching them i don't think of them as necessarily agents of the empire more so as agents of vader which yep. is obviously you know they are agents of the empire but they they had a kind of small scale level to them that i wasn't expecting for the inquisitors right? um where we've seen let's go we're thinking the kind of shows of forces we've seen in the tv shows like when moff gideon uh, uh, shows up on oh, I'm forgetting the name uh, Navarro mm-hmm. with the uh, 
death troopers i believe yeah you know there's kind of a show of force here it's like hey you know we're gonna what are we doing this afternoon oh we'll go by (laughs) we'll go by tattooing again we heard a rumor at a bar like seems very low level in a way and yet as they say they're you know they're fighting over scraps um I don't know if that makes sense what I'm getting at, right? No, like, no, you it, they're they seem to be such like a a unique organization. Yeah. That's why because they're obviously, you know, a, a little evil, but the Grand Inquisitor and the other inquisitors all are very frustrated and upset with Riva throughout these couple episodes because she is not act because she's going too far. So they seem like they really do operate by a set of rules and they do follow um, like a, a little bit of a code, yeah. So they, they're they're unique. Yeah. I'm very curious about them. Uh, and and you know what we're gonna find out if if more about them because we're gonna talk about the uh, the Grand Inquisitor more in episode two. But we do find out throughout these that Riva is incredibly incredibly powerful in what she can do, force sensitive wise. Um, whether not exactly sure what her level of training is versus how like just much natural ability. I mean, we see her doing parkour. She's like on the roofs. She's running all over. She can get inside of anyone's mind very quickly, including it seems like Obi-Wan. Yeah. So she is she mm-hmm. seems like she is very very powerful. And I'm really excited we're getting ahead of ourselves to to see how they present her relationship with Vader because mm-hmm. the I think it's a I think it's a personal one and this is where the show's going to tread in uncomfortable water is that we've never seen Vader have a relationship with anyone other than the emperor. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he commands people, but actually someone who, who he has some sort of connection with, which is implied with Reva because Reva knows that he is Anakin Skywalker or was Anakin Skywalker. So we find out that this Jedi is Nari and Nari tells him you're wasting your time. You know, you will never find us all. And as uh, Riva tries to kill him with a lightsaber, her swing is actually stopped as it about comes in contact with him. And it looks like it was stopped by the Grand Inquisitor, Mm -hmm. who is trying to control her. So all of these Inquisitors now, they are all what I believe force sensitive in some way or like train at least in, in, in trained in. Um, you know, the Jedi hunters, former Jedi or force sensitive is what uh, what they're sort of uh, referenced as. So the, these you said they have incredible intel and or they're very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, this point where the Inquisitor uh, stops Reva's blade is what makes me feel like this kind of sense of they're almost disorganized or they're not the, a, a really finely tuned unit uh, there's all this discord i don't know if you've ever if you've ever been at a restaurant and like a manager corrects a waiter in front of yep. you and it's a yeah. really weird comparison but yep. sometimes when you see in in a workplace you you actually see the the facade of you know customer service dissolve in a kind of some mm-hmm. kind of dispute between a manager and an employee there's something really awkward about watching that. <laughs> and that's how I felt watching the Inquisitorious. It's You're like... <laughs> right. That is funny. And um, they, you know, the Grand Inquisitor gets frustrated with her. It uh, says, you will forget this fixation with Kenobi or I will relieve you of your duties. 
sort of sarcastically says, yes, Grand Inquisitor, as he walks off. And then we flash to the middle of the desert. We see a body of this huge creature. It's like a whale-like creature. And it's uh, its carcass is like laying out in the desert. It's dead. And we see its massive fins coming out of the sand. But it looks like a pyramid, almost, the way it's sort of coming out. And set up all around this big carcass is like a meat packing station. Like a butcher-type yeah. shop where they get all the meat and they package it up and they sell it. Use it, eat it. So this is where we pick up with Obi Wan. He's yeah. in the workers' line here. He's slicing meat. Someone who—it's funny, didn't he say? Uh, and I think I saw this on one or two recaps somewhere, but talked about how older Obi Wan mentioned. You know, blasters were such like a rudimentary, yeah. you know. And he's here dealing with actual like knives and actual uh, different tools than he would have used earlier and later in his life. Picks up a small portion for himself Kind of cleans his butcher knife He gets paid out for the day And as he does, the man in front of him Complains about his payment But the boss pushes him away Threatens to take everything back And Obi-Wan kind of gives him a look Because this is Something Obi-Wan, the Jedi, would have Probably stepped in and helped You know, Mm -hmm. stood up for a person like this earlier on in his life But he sort of stops and he thinks about it And he doesn't even He doesn't really say anything it's like he wants to defend the other person, but he it, it just kind of keeps quiet. Yeah, is, this is the things. first kind of, um, you know, thing, <laughs> getting uh, getting biblical for a second. Like, you know, Jesus says, you will deny me three times. Like, yep. This is the first denial, right? And there'll be two more denials that he makes or refusals of the call, so to speak, yep. that uh, Obi-Wan makes in this episode. And... Um, I just, I, this is what, what really, what elevated the episode for me were these scenes at the, just watching his routine unfold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and how monotonous it is and how, yet how careful and precise he, he seems to be in his work, right? He's not disengaged. He's just d- defeated, you know, mm-hmm. defeated and somewhat despondent, Um and and I think, you know, these these scenes, you see the kind of the thematics at work, right? Like you're saying, you have to you have to see how he suppresses his Jedi in- instincts, right? In order to make his ultimate uh, uh, re-entry into the fight more meaningful. Incredible. And we actually see, I think, three times to three of his days. Almost that, you yep, know, the identical, exactly. they'll, yeah. they'll show it three different times, him doing the exact same thing over and over again, how monotonous it is and how like brutal his travel is. Like he has to go from one place, then he has to get on the Eopi, go from the like Eopi into town, then get into town, jump on a ship, ride the ship over there. And so it's a huge all day to get to this place to to punch the clock and not even really get paid for it. And he's just he's miserable. Yeah. He, you know, he heads back to his uh, his cave. You know, he gets to his EOP, rides to the outskirts of the desert where he lives in the caves, and then he settles in at home like anyone would when you get home. You know, he sort of takes his stuff off, cooks up some instant stew, and then yeah. he's eating his food. And the uh, the Jawa arrives, who um, is, I believe, named Tika, and, and the Jawa comes in, and you could tell right away they have a pretty good 
pretty comfortable relationship because the Jawas is making fun of him for smelling. He says, "Should I have brought some soap? I could smell you from Anchorhead." And uh, um, so they they start to talk a little bit, and the Jawa went and got uh, Tika went and got something for Obi Wan. And how about this one? It is the toy T sixteen Skyhopper that we see Luke Skywalker playing with in A New Hope. It, it, in a show in it. Show that by Star Wars or Marvel standards was pretty restrained with Easter eggs. Thankfully so, in my mind. This was one that actually, right, was felt felt right. That it act, it really was integral to, to the story and how... Yep. It didn't know. feel too forced. It didn't... It wasn't such a big thing. Because it's such a... It's, it's not... It's not... It's, a, it's important. But we don't see it. All that much we see that one little moment Of it in a, in a new hope and yeah. so I, I thought this was something that was like The perfect type of size of an easter Egg you know um, yeah. to, to drop in so I, I really I think A lot of people probably smiled and got a Kick out of out of this you know when, when They saw it and uh, So Tika tells him it's a hundred bucks it's very Rare Obi-Wan negotiates Barters him down he says okay 75 uh, he goes 50 75 they go back and forth um, so I think he gives him the 75 Then the, then, then You know some of uh, Obi-Wan's uh, One of his vapor Vaporator um, is sputtering And the, the Tika asks him Is there you know trouble with your vaporator He says yeah I had some parts stolen I need a new processor board And Tika the Jawa pulls out A processor board And it was he stole it from <laughs> Obi-Wan And he was trying to sell it back to him And, and Obi-Wan's like hey when you steal my stuff, could you at least clean it before you sell it back to me? And he goes, cleaning is extra. I, just, I thought this scene was funny, too. Sometimes the comedy stuff they can they can get like Marvel will do it a little too much or they try to. But some this this stuff was just like funny. It was just like a funny little interaction be- between these two. And I um, I enjoyed I enjoyed a lot of this. Yeah, no, I I. I OK, actually, I'm going to let me pivot really quick. How did the Jawa get into his cave? Right? Because From the I, other it, end? There's another end, which is like, that seems like a big... I mean, I guess it speaks to... Because he has some sort of security system in place. But yeah. they must obviously be... You know, he's a a, a, a frequent visitor, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, that was what was most surprising to me, was how kind of, you know... Or, or maybe touching, I don't know if that's the right word, how familiar they are with each other, right? Yes. For a, yes. a man who has relatively little contact or meaningful contact or connection with anyone, right? Because that's how he survives. So Tika mentions that uh, they found, they stripped the Jedi's an old ship and they found something. He pulls out what, this is something that may have even been his like it could have been something that belonged to Obi Wan, but it, it it was a like the lightsaber holster, uh-huh. right? You know, like the belt. I think that you would use to to sort of keep it in place. And yeah. so this is, you know, this is something that he probably came across, or maybe it was someone's, maybe it was Qui Qui Gon's, or who knows, something that seems sort of personal to him because he kind of looked at it for a moment and right, you know, he now nah, I I don't want it, and he said I I've. I've all heard. I've heard the Jedi are all but extinct, I, and he gives it back to to Tika. Yeah, I think you're right. It may have been his. So I read it as it was from the the Jedi fleeing the the cantina at the mm-hmm. start. Okay, uh, okay. That that's yeah, so, what I thought watching. 
He's found it out in the wastes, he says. Yeah, because it was Which, in the but Jedi's. But that's also, because then he says one escape from the Dune Sea, but also we know isn't Obi-Wan's lightsaber hidden out in the wastes? His, yeah, it, Obi's, yeah, Obi's, Obi-Wan's, he's got the two of them that are hidden that he's going to go uh, dig up in mm-hmm. just a little bit. So, yeah, this was cool because, like you said, maybe it was maybe it was just the stuff from Nari, you know, from the, the, the Jedi's. Nari, and, yeah. and he, you know, he just looked at it and it, rem- it reminded him of everything. But it, it did look like there may have been even more meaning to that. And so I'm curious to see, we probably won't hear, see any more of it, but it just uh, it was a, a cool little moment of him reflecting. And then as as we had this sort of serious moment where Obi-Wan is reflecting, Tika tells him, you really do stink. And then, and then uh, he leaves. So we see Obi-Wan sleeping and he's having nightmares and like visions of Padme and Anakin and Qui-Gon and, and Yoda and a lot of these events from the prequels that we were just speaking about, it, you know, you were my brother, Anakin, and Qui-Gon asking him to to train him, and and Padme when she's dying, telling Obi-Wan that there's good in him. I know, and mm-hmm. Obi-Wan screaming at him, "You are the chosen one." So he's tormented by everything that that's happened to him. And as he wakes up from a nightmare, he tries to connect with with his master, Qui-Gon, and he he cannot reach him. And we're going to find out that it's like anything that you do, Matt, you're a teacher, you know, anything that you 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 tell the students, the more you do it, the more you read it, the more you look at it, you're going to know it. If you're not practicing the force, you're not going to be good with the force. Yeah. Here, he's rusty. He hasn't been using it. He's not able to. He can't draw attention to himself. So he's not able to connect even you know, with the higher power, which is something that Yoda was was going to teach him to do to be able to connect with Qui-Gon. I feel like we'll get there probably yeah. at the end of this. That's one of those things we need to put odds on, right? Pretty pretty safe, maybe one to nine. Qui-Gon and him are going to have a, a little heart-to-heart at some point, but he's not there yet. And yeah. like you said, he keeps denying the Force, so he's not going to be able to really conjure it. Yeah, he he's... His life on Tatooine is a mix of Ray and Force Awakens, just like kind of, you know, moving along with work, like you know, uh, stamp. What's the time? The stamp in the time card. Is that what people say? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And and then Luke in the Last Jedi, where he's completely shut himself off from the Force. I mean, I think that's clear that he. I mean, you as you keep watching these first two parts it's pretty clear he shut himself off from the force. And so it's almost like, yeah, you know, if you haven't been practicing a skill, why would you think you could just kind of plug it? Like just, it, it's almost half-hearted, like his his calls to, to Qui-Gon. You don't see him like trying to focus and meditate, yep. right? It's, exactly. it's a desperate, it's a desperate call. You know? mm-hmm. And we then see the other part of Obi-Wan's existence right now. To basically go and spy on Luke, <laughs> to yeah. check on, to see how young Luke is uh, is being brought up, who is now ten years old. So he gets on the EOP and he goes to watch Luke. He's he's got binoculars. He sort of stakes it out and he he sees young Luke, who's very mischievous. He's playing around. He's got the pod racing goggles on. Mm. He pretends that that was a cool little, uh, just a little tidbit as he's. Pretending like he's flying a ship, but he's doing like any kid would, 
Right, my son walks around. He's into trucks like crazy right now, so he's making the noises all the time, and he loves the dump trucks and the fire trucks and every all these little things. So, you know, he this is this is what what you know a ten year old is doing that same sort of um in that same sort of vein. So, what did you think of uh of Obi Wan spying on uh young young Luke, and we see Owen and the uh what the the Lars uh, uh farm here, the Lars family farm here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think him spying on Luke is as creepy as him just walking into the house at night to drop off a toy. To, to, to leave a uh, present, right? I know. But um, I, I, You know, one of the things that, that I noticed on the second rewatch, right? So you see, or sorry, on the, re, the, the rewatch, uh, you see Luke, you know, miming like he's, he's flying a starship or whatever, right? And in his dream the night before, of all images, what it ends on is Anakin, young Anakin flying the Naboo N1 Starfighter. And if you go back to the dream sequence, it's almost as if he's his fear of what happened to Anakin is subtly being projected onto yes. Luke. That's a and good. so so on one hand, you see, and I mean what he really harps on in this episode is that how Luke yearns for something more, but I think almost subconsciously he knows that Luke's yearning for something more also puts him in the danger, right? The very same danger that, that, that Anakin was ultimately thrust into by being separated from his family. So after he drops off the toy, um, he's heading back through the desert at night and he can hear something around him. He sort of got his radar up and it's Nari, the Jedi from in town. And he said, I thought I saw you in town. But I wasn't sure. I didn't think you'd survived. And this is like straight out of any any adaptations of like biblical stuff that we've seen, right? Of like around when, when Jesus was crucified, like when they're asking his disciples and they're turning Peter, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, like this is him yeah. straight people to, on the streets. Yeah. I saw you. You were with Jesus, right? Yeah, was, no, yeah. This is right? even closer to the the you will deny me. And I mean, this is the second point where he. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and no, I don't. Call. I don't know what you're talking about. He said, "I'm sorry, my name is Nari. There's no mistake." And he pulls out his lightsaber. He says, "You're looking for someone else." He says, "Obi Wan." He calls him his name. He says, "My name is Ben." He says, "Please, Obi Wan. You have no idea what I've been through. I have nowhere to go. They're hunting me. You have to help me." He says, "No, you must leave. You'll draw too much attention." And he gives him the lightsaber back, and he kind of pushes it to him. He says, "Take this." Walk into the middle of the desert, bury it in the ground, stay hidden, and live a normal life. And Nari asks, what about the people that need us? What about the fight? Obi-Wan says the fight is done, and we lost. And the last little interactions that he has with Nari is uh, Nari with sort of scorn and disappointment. He says, what happened to you? You were once a great Jedi. Mm -hmm. Obi just says, you know, the time of the Jedi is over. Go back to the town and let it go. Yeah. I, you know, it's, this scene was a little rough for me for a couple reasons. I think one, the whole, like, you know, the fight is, the fight is over. It felt very, you know, at times kind of cliched, a little bit of cliched dialogue. Also, you know, you have to kind of process the fact that Obi-Wan is at this point, because this isn't the Obi-Wan at the end of episode three, where granted the shock is fresh and he hasn't had time to process his grief and really um, uh, 
the weight of guilt he must feel for being, you know, uh, responsible for Anakin. And Anakin's turn is really what, you know, is the the domino from which all the Jedi fall, uh, by which all the Jedi fall. Um, so I don't know. I, I think, you know, th there was something, it, it felt a little on the surface for me, that scene. And then as I was still trying to make sense of it, we're suddenly cut to Alderaan. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, was, it was one of the parts of the episode I found a little more jarring. I mean, I think it 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 works. It obviously fits with the themes and focus and intent of the episode. But I can almost feel the wheels of the kind of plot mechanics turning where it's like, you know, the 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 fight is done. Right. And then later, Bale will say, uh, you got one more fight left, Obi. Yeah. Something one like more in you, big man. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a bit, you know, it's a little, I think we've seen that story before, right? The retired mm -hmm. gunslinger coming out uh, uh, for one last uh, mission. Yeah. I don't know. I, it didn't land. It didn't land. I guess what I'm saying is it didn't land on me. The emotion of that scene didn't land on me in the way that I, that thinking about it, it should, right? I think it makes sense emotionally, like where Obi-Wan is, but I wasn't feeling it as an audience member as much as I had hoped I would. We then uh, head to Alderaan, the young Leia and her family. And so Leia's mom comes in to get her ready for an event. And she she's supposed to be all, all ready at the, at the point. And as she grabs the young girl's hand, the girl that's dressed and ready is not Leia. She pulls the same uh, little switcheroo move that Padme used to pull where she'd have a decoy and her mom realizes after just a moment that this girl isn't Leia and she has to start looking all over for her. And we see this cute little sweet mischievous feisty young Leia and she is up in the trees watching ships fly by and she's talking with her droid. Who is named Lola And as they fly by She's like naming what they are Medical freighter, pleasure barge Boring <laughs> Casino ship, not bad Ooh, a tri-wing Ooh, an Aquilian ranger Probably scouting for Merson pirates And so she's like playing this little game With herself She's she's in her own world You know, she's, yeah. this is very Jasmine Too, like from Aladdin You know, she's uh, the, the gates of the, the, the princess Who's sort of like you know, she's she's got to probably live a pretty boring life And she seems like she wants to be exploring When we see her in episode two And she's on the planet of Dayu She is like so curious about everything yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even really yeah, care she about get, She doesn't get off the planet much No um, it, It's interesting, you know, for someone who has all the privileges That her father didn't have as a kid They're, they're remarkably similar, right? <laughs> they're, they're, they want to, you know uh, they want to you know, see the world kind of kind of thing. And, and I mean, Anakin looks up uh, at the stars with Qui-Gon in, in episode one. And in, a, in that's what I, I was thinking of Anakin throughout this episode in not only because she's so close in age to her father as her father was in in Phantom Menace, but just she has that kind of spirit. I mean, she also has a lot of her mother in her as as Obi-Wan will later comment on. But um, especially like seeing the starships fly away and, and, and naming them. And um, it just, I guess, you know, hook, line and sinker, Leia totally worked for me. Yes. And um, I know not everyone feels that way. And 
people. I mean, I, I've seen some some critiques on Twitter and out in the 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 interwebs, but for me, this was just like it it felt it felt she, true to the character. Absolutely, and really was the first time I really like could feel Leia being the daughter of Padme and Anakin, right? Mm -hmm. we, we obviously know that. Like I, I've always known that. <laughs> well, since the prequels. But here it's like you you like, like can imagine this person with Anakin and Padme in the Naboo countryside in another yeah. world, right? Absolutely. It felt it just feels true. I thought they did a great job with her and mom finds her. She's a little angry as Brea, her mom, and says, Leia Organa, you had to do this today. And this is a very mother-daughter interaction. She says, no Lola for the rest of the day. So she makes her shut her droid down. Turn off your iPad for the rest of the day, you know? And uh, she said, if you behaved as well as you'd climb, you'd be a senator already. Oh, come on, you're going to have to change in the speeder, in the car. Like, this is just a, a very... Um, like normal interaction that yeah. the the mischievous kid would have with their mom when they're running late for any event, and she apologizes. She this is great. She comes up and says, "I'm sorry, mother. I really am." She pretends to be, you know, real sad, and she hugs her, but she's really pretending so she can try to grab her droid back, yeah. like a little pickpocket. <laughs> it's a, as uh, her mom sort of feels her She's like you know I can feel you doing this And as like a typical 10 year old girl Leia just screamed It's just like living in a prison <laughs> Just yeah. screaming Yeah No I, I You know did you know that Leia was going to be in this show No I, not, not like this no I didn't think I guess I wasn't really thinking about it Because I mean for the most part The, the first time we actually ever see Like Leia and Ob Obi-Wan and Leia never really interacted, right? Like, I don't think they were ever even really together much. So this was sort of like a cool yeah. pairing when when they come together. And I, I, I was, no, I wasn't expecting it. You know, I was ready for Obi-Wan and, uh, and, and Anakin, Darth Vader. I figured we'd get maybe like a Qui-Gon scene at some point, but I didn't know we were going to get the young Luke and the young Leia. And I, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this. Quite a bit so mom and Leia walk off as and a creepy man is watching them from the distance now we uh, flash back to Obi-Wan day two <laughs> back to work exact same thing rinse repeat as the prior day boring mundane monotonous and as he makes his way to the town he's actually approached by Uncle Owen yeah he says hey look I want you to stay away from him we don't need anything from you you know, Ben says it's just that Obi Wan's it's just a toy. He says no, it's more than that. There's, you know, it's he Owen can sense that Obi Wan is, you know, trying to give him the nudge. There's more than life to than there's more to life than your farm, Owen. He needs to see that there's a whole galaxy out there. But you know, Owen is being protective of of who's his son. Basically, he's raised this kid. This is you know the. The kid that was dropped off in his arms yeah. as a baby. Yeah. You no, know, Obi-Wan asks him, is he okay? And Owen says, You don't care if he's okay. You care if he's showing. He <laughs> he just this is a funny way of saying, you know, yeah. if he's like force sensitive or if he's if he's got any abilities. Yeah. Um, so this back and forth here between the two of them, as Obi-Wan tries to, you know, let Owen know, hey, he's my responsibility. 
when the time comes, he must be trained. And yeah. Owen hits him with a dagger. Yeah. This is like you trained your father. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, and even, you know, I even wonder Obi-Wan who won't, you know, will offer help to no one. I mean, on one hand, is he being so cautious because he knows his his sole purpose is Luke? Maybe. Or is his is his heart even in training Luke? Like I I I still you know it's kind of like the call to Qui Gon like you know he it it's almost half hearted right it's Does like a routine really, sort of thing that he thinks he might it's be. like the only thing he can hold on to to have any purpose in his life yeah. is to think that one day I have to train Luke and yet in this moment he won't do right even the the smallest of acts and yet mm-hmm. somehow he kind of holds on to this I. You know, who knows what his his plan is at this point, right? We we in, know his plan come, you know, Empire Strikes Back. But uh, at this point, in, you know, he doesn't seem... It's interesting. It's the only thing about him in this episode that is somehow forward-looking and not just focused on 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 living the day. One's yeah. life, right? Yeah. So uh, Owen says, hey, look, Anakin's dead. And Ben, I won't let you make the the same mistake twice. Leave him on the farm with his family where he belongs. We then head back to the Inquisitors, the fifth brother now, as uh, they are arriving in town. They're looking all around, and they're, again, trying to find Obi-Wan, who is right there. And the <laughs> the Reva is there with the fifth brother. And a couple of the other inquisitors One woman sort of stands up to them And says hey hey, this is the outer rim You have no rights here We are not under the empires And she just gets destroyed Like and yeah. Reva is Unhinged Yeah yeah you know, I like, she, Yeah I, I like the performance It, it um, There is something really Like threatening about her Yeah and right, The, the Guess one of the ultimate problems of the show is how threatening can she be to Obi Wan? <laughs> because mm-hmm. newsflash, she's not in Episode Four, and Obi Wan is. Yeah. Um, but so that so you know, given that we, you know, I, I don't think the what happens to Riva is a very interesting question. What I'm curious is delving deeper into her motivations and mm-hmm. her psychology and her relationship with Anakin and. Or Obi Wan? Why does she have? Or Obi Wan, right? Yeah. You're like, right. Why is she so mad at him? Did he? Yeah. Did he? Was you know? Was she one of those Jedi there? And and Obi Wan showed up late. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. is was what has something like we said? Th- there have been ten years now. What else has happened to make Obi Wan so dejected? There have to have been things along the way where we last we left Obi Wan, he's still. With Yoda and Yoda still telling him that he's going to find a way to teach him to connect with Qui Gon, yeah. and now he doesn't want anything to do with the Force. Yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. There's um. There's still this, like you said, what what happened between them? What's Riva's motivation? That's what I'm very interested in, as she's driven by revenge, by hate, and she approaches Owen. Oh, says you're a farmer, right? Wife, kids, and Owen just kind of stands up to her, you know. My family is of no concern to you. She said, you got a Jedi on that farm? He says, no. I have no love for the Jedi. Jedi are vermin, and I kill vermin on my farm. She said that, uh, oh, you protect your family. I like that, Owen. And 
She sort of talks to all of the uh, the the bystanders. She said, "You think you could protect them for me? Tell me where the Jedi is, or this man and his family die." She said, "The Jedi are cowards. They failed you. They abandoned you. There is no point in protecting them. They would not do the same for you. But you can save this man. You can save his family." And as she turns on the lightsaber, gets ready, she's stopped by one of the Inquisitors, the fifth brother. Says enough. If you remember anything, rewards will be given. Stand down. And you know, th- so this is like what we were saying. This is what they, I'm talking about, the, right? The, the, in, like, the in the in the uh, in company arguing here. Yeah. Where's HR? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you guys have to get like like it's like sidebar like Reva. Let's sidebar really quick. I, you know, um, who is the who is the director of this group? Like what you know, like each each uh like who is the employee manager here? Like can right. we uh you know, you know we need to yeah. find something out as the fifth brother says the Grand Inquisitor was right. You still want Kenobi, but he's gone. You won't find him. We spent the last ten years looking for him. And uh, she uh, champs back, hey, maybe you've been looking in the wrong places. And he's literally <laughs> He's literally 30 meters away. Right there. Right there. And uh, she says she wants what she's owed. So, hmm. Yeah. What uh, What is she owed? I, I wonder how specific the payoff to that line is going to be. Is it like, I don't know. There's a way someone can say that in a more generic sense. Like, I'm owed more... Uh, uh, status like I should be more important right in the eyes of Vader mm-hmm. or it could be something very specific I don't know about Obi-Wan about Obi-Wan. right or Anakin or whatever right. like whatever it is like something that happened because if she was being trained to be a Jedi you know what what was happening so you're right is that a general thing about hey I should be right there with like Darth Vader's under like right hand woman right underneath him yeah. I should be important in this uh, in this, you know, in this group, or is it something specific? As Obi Wan is very thankful to Owen, and he says, "Look, I didn't do it for you," because he knows. Awesome, he, awesome line read. Awesome right? line read from Joel Edgerton. He doesn't even like stand there to say it. He just walks nope. away. And uh, it's true. It's like, hey, I know that if they find you, they'll probably find Luke, and and then he's in trouble. So I don't care about you. And uh, we now we flash back again. And we're back to Leia, and we're back to Leia with her mom and dad, and they're visiting some of their other families. This is where you said uh, you can kind of sense that, um, you know, Leia has some of the the characteristics in you know Anakin and Padme. Her dad is very; she has a great relationship with her dad. You can tell a little bit more than her mom. It just seems like they connect a little bit more. And the family, though, her cousin, little little jackass man, <laughs> this guy's a little, you know. A little ass here He So this is basically like a, a family event They're all having drinks Everyone's sharing stories They're all bragging a little bit here and there And so the kids start talking And the older of the kids Which is this boy He starts picking on Leia a little bit And he's actually trying to be like He's really mean to the droids That's like one of those yeah. things like Someone's mean to a waiter right You know it's kind of right. like it reminded me of that Like just yelling yeah. at the waiter for no reason, like uh, well, come on, you know. And this kid's dad is a total. I mean, you know, he has a couple. You know, what he's like. I I didn't come here to end slavery, Bale. Like 
you know, I, I'm just finally getting rich under this new empire. Like, yeah, so the, the father's really superficial, and the you know the the son's a turd also. Um, and Leia's takedown of him is is awesome. I, mean, I think that's when I was like, yes, this they, is they they got the right actress. They got <laughs> they they kind of it was the same person who like you know, is, is snippy with Han Solo. Like I, mm-hmm. that made sense to me that this person would grow up to be, to be the Leia yes. we know from the original trilogy. Uh, as her cousin, he says, you know, the difference between you and me, they never let you leave this planet. They don't want anyone to know about you because you're not one of us. You're not even a real Organa. And she says, yeah, yeah. They, um, they know that they probably do are protective of her because she is, who she is, mm-hmm, and but yet not for that this reason. Is twisted here to mm-hmm. be that they're they're ashamed of her, but you know it's quite it's for the opposite, yeah he, right? he's right for a totally wrong reason. It's not because yeah. they're ashamed. It's because she is the uh, yeah she is a big deal. She is the daughter of uh, of the man who is out there looking uh, the evil man who's looking for her, who's probably looking for her and uh, and Luke trying to find them also. Maybe maybe not quite yet, but we'll uh, we'll find not, that out not soon. Yet. They, yeah, not, he doesn't know they survived yet. Mm-hmm, well, he not, doesn't know they are they. He they are they. One. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll get there. And uh, she just, she blasts him. She said, you're scared of him. Your father, you want him to like you. So you repeat what he says, even though you really don't know what it means. You think being like him will make people frightened of you. But really, you're the one who's scared. You've never made one decision for yourself your entire life. And you never will. I may not have seen much, cousin, but I can see that. Ooh. Yeah. And her dad's watching from across the room. Bail is just like, ooh, ooh, okay, good. Like he's sort of proud of her, but he uh, he goes to have a heart to heart with her. Her mom's mad. You know, she says he's your cousin. You know, you owe him an apology. So her dad, you know, takes her aside and says, you know, look, he has a it's a good little heart to heart moment where he says I was a lot like you. Um, and I got older. I had to find other adventures. This is your future. He tells her you're going to be in the Senate. She's not interested in that. That's not the road that she wants to go down. But he says, you are our child. She says, I'm not even a real Organa. He says, don't ever say that. You are our child. You're an Organa in every way. One day this planet will look to you, Leia. There are many ways to lead. You just have to find yours. Plus, imagine the look on your cousin's face when you get to boss him around for real. So uh, she likes that. She smiles. And he says, but for now, we will apologize. She agrees. She says, yes, father. So it feels like, oh, cool. Great moment. And then she just escapes again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nope. She She just knows how to play them so she can get a moment to just get on the run. Yeah. You know, there's something a little, this might, might seem like a little off book here, but you know, one of the things that, that worries me about, I don't know, worries is the right word about the show. One of the, the, the things you risk when you delve deeper into Alderaan and delve deeper into Leia's relationship with her father is you, you make the loss of Alderaan in episode four more tragic and yet then it begs the question, why do we not see Leia react emotionally to her father's death, right, on film? And, yeah. and I mean, it's, it's a weird thing. So, like, once you put a face to the the 
the planet being yes. blown up, it almost raises the stakes. Imagine if someone was watching this, right, in the in a chronological order, not in the order of release. It might make, maybe I'm concerned trolling here, it might make episode four seem kind of weird how she just moves on from the loss of Alderaan, which, granted, has been explored in, in comics and in other uh, uh, media, but not on film. And so that's one of the things with, like, when you delve deeper into the emotions or relationship of Leia and Obi-Wan, you delve deeper into potentially the relationship or, or likely the relationship of, 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 of Vader and Obi-Wan, perhaps even Leia and Vader. She may actually meet him in this series. Like you, you run the risk of like throwing off the calibration yeah. in the, in the original saga. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe this is just something that, I think about or worry about because my relationship to the films is almost so cemented now. Um, it, at, at best, it can it can elevate the original movies and make us see them in a, a new light in in a, in a and have a deeper appreciation for the character dynamics. It, it, at worst, it it could be jarring, right? Yeah. Emotionally jarring and mm-hmm. and reflect oddly on a character we all love, Leia. We dream of Californication. We got a little flea coming in here. Uh, flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers is playing a bounty hunter named Vect. And Leia, th- this was the man who we just saw briefly from behind who had been watching Leia and, and her mom earlier. So he was, he'd been sort of spying on Leia and finding, figuring out her routine because she runs off all the time. She's always, they're always, Periods where she's a little girl alone In the forest by herself exploring So he knew exactly where she was Going to be when she was going to be And there were men There three men sort of surround her They run after her She's you know, trying to evade them initially But uh, but they do end up Capturing her Yeah. So yeah. we're set up I'm not trying to defend uh, uh, Flea here But it's kind of interesting that we have <laughs> Two scenes in this in this show of of someone spying on a Skywalker child, and one is our hero, <laughs> and the You're other right. is one like, a creep. <laughs> you know, is total uh, creepy bounty hunter. Uh, I I've seen some some you know complaints on on the internet about the slowest chase scene ever with Leia running away and everything, but you know I mean. It, it seemed believable to me. She gives a she gives a you know an attempted escape, but she had no chance really. Yeah, I it agree. Was, I mean, this is Alderaan is is peaceful, right? That is that's canon, and so it's actually like that someone could it they they're not a heavily militarized you know planet, so it kind of makes sense that someone could just slip in, and the the mention of pirates at least twice I think in this episode kind of primes the the audience for something more mischievous, nefarious, I should say. And I don't know if if they are doing this or if it's something that I'm reading more into, but there is definitely the possibility that in some of these things, they are giving us little tidbits that, you know, Leia has some Force-sensitive powers and that she's a little bit more than just a a regular girl, just heightened abilities, a little bit smarter than normal, like a great sense of sense of even just the way she talks, you know, she's just very, very smart. And obviously, so maybe she can be a step ahead here and there and and this. And I think people were were kind of feeling the same thing about the scene when Obi-Wan, when she's sort of like running from Obi-Wan in episode Uh, two, 
you know, and uh, and he, he can't get his hands on her for a little while. So she's captured, she's kidnapped, and now Obi Wan is awakened by a message from Leia's parents, and it's asking for help. It's a hologram. They explain what happened. We don't know who it was. No ransom. No leads. Whoever they are, they knew where she would be. They were waiting. She needs you, Obi Wan. We can't trust anyone else. He asks about the Senate. But Bale says we cannot let this become public It would draw too much attention He he keeps trying to Deflect what about your guards or Bounty yeah. hunters you know And Bale says Obi-Wan only you know how important She is if she is discovered Obi-Wan says I can't leave here Man my duty's to the boy What about your duty to his sister She's as important as he is And Obi-Wan just Turns him down here it is It's been 10 years it's I'm not who I used to be. Find someone else. She'll be better off. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, it's, it's tough to swallow that that would be his response. But in some ways, like, you know, I found myself as an audience member wondering, why don't you just send someone else? Right. No, I agree. I mean, right. I yeah. Mean, I think the show ultimately convinces me of the plausibility of this being the thing that pushes Obi-Wan off planet. Um, and I think that whole scene with with Bale, right, going through the options is for the audience who's probably wondering, like, isn't there someone else better to do this? Um, but, you know, I mean, he doesn't know who kidnapped her. I mean, can you imagine if she was take like he doesn't know what the kidnappers know? Like, imagine if it was someone if it was the Inquisitors directly kidnapping her because of a a rumor of a force sensitive child, right? He doesn't know. And so if you think about what he doesn't know at that point and the worst case scenario, then it's a no brainer for Obi-Wan to go. So we see that Leia has been kidnapped. She's uh, in a ship with the creepy Vect and they tie her to a chair, lock her in a room and day three of (laughs) Obi-Wan, same thing, same routine, work, Day in, day out. Although this time, when he comes through the town, we hear and people sees crying. The consequence of saying no. Yeah, he sees what what happened. Nari, the man who helped him ask him for help, is hung. He's dead. Yeah, that's the man who Obi Wan told to go away. So this is, this is, you know, got to be very very tough for him as he he looks up and realizes, yeah. like you said, what the result of his actions. Right. Yeah. So Bale is in Obi-Wan's cave. I mean, the security there. Let's be honest, right? He's this, got a this... thing out front with the security, but we got Jawas and we got Bale showing up. Like, he needs to get an update at, at least, right? Like, he needs to get an, uh, like update the app on your security system or something here. Yeah. I, I don't want to. So I, I started thinking, okay, so if Reva knows they have a personal connection. Maybe the play is to tap, <laughs> to tap his comms, right? right and then right. you find Obi-Wan way much more quickly. On the other hand, because they've established the Inquisitors aren't the, the, the finest, most finely tuned, like, you know, Jedi hunting machine. And because their whole philosophy is let's not do anything. Let's just wait for the Jedi to come out. Um, it sort of made sense for me. But on the rewatch, it got me thinking like, Man, Bale, you know, Bale calling him, Bale going to his place of hiding is a huge, huge risk. So, 
So now in the cave, they have a little back and forth. Uh, Bale tells Obi Wan that she's headed for Dayu, and they're the ship is on their way. They hid behind a freight transport. Obi Wan says, "I can't." And Bale convinces him, "Please, she's my daughter." And Obi Wan says, "I'm not the man you remember. I can't leave the boy." Bale stops him. This is not about the boy, and you know it. You've made mistakes. We all have. It's the past. Move on. Be done with it. You couldn't save Anakin, but you can save her. Obi-Wan says, what if I can't? And Bale says, there is no one I trust more with my child than you. Please, old friend, for her one last fight. (laughs) Obi-Wan is sort of riled up enough to to get on out on the road one more time. Uh, Before we see uh, Obi-Wan boarding, we actually check in with Leia, who has her droid Lola there with her. And she asks Lola, can you untie me? And as the droid starts to cut Le- Leia free, Vect walks in. He could hear what was happening. And as uh, Leia, tough little girl, says, I'm not afraid of you. But uh, the bad guy, the bounty hunter, he takes the droid. He throws it on the ground. He smashes it, which does upset Leia because that is uh, it's her friend there. But she lets him know, my father will rescue me. He will send a whole army. But the bad guy tells her No one's coming for you And the door closes with little Leia She is By herself in this room And Vex's crew Doesn't really like what they've done Is this a bad idea? Kidnapping kids? Think this is gonna work? So he, you know We got some of these crews, Matt They need better leadership here Yeah, They're, They're not on the same page Yeah, I mean, it's a good it's a good point, right? I mean, I think something even the Grand Inquisitor says, like, and it again, it makes me, you know, it reminds us that like Bail Organa is a senator, yeah. right? The 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 Senate is part of the Empire, right? And so it can't for an agent of the Empire to be, <laughs> uh, you know, kidnapping the child of another like politician, right? It it it's. You know, we tend to think of Bail Organa as good guys, and and the the Empire or the the Inquisitors as the bad guys, and obviously that's that's true. But in terms of his occupation, he works within the system, and so there is a huge risk for 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 the Inquisitors in terms of how you know the 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 Empire presents itself. Uh, but also these low level guys, like there's probably better ways to make money than than such a high profile kidnapping. And we finish up with Vec talking to uh, Riva via a, a hologram video message. And Riva lets him know he fought beside her father during the war. He'll come. He won't be able to help it. The Jedi will hunt himself. We see Obi-Wan getting ready to board a flight. He's a little hesitant, but he ends up going through with it. And uh, the woman at the entrance invites him in. So Obi-Wan is on his way. And we'll talk like right into two and, you know, we can talk a little bit more after it because it just goes right into like episode two picks up immediately with Dayu. You know, we see his ship flying into Dayu and we're now at an airport transportation station. So we get the previously on in episode two, but and we get the Lucasfilm title screen in the Star Wars. But it's it basically like immediately where we end. The next scene yeah. is starting like Obi-Wan flying into Dayu. So very 
much continuation from episode one and two. And Dayu is worth mentioning, Matt. This city reminds me of a couple different places we've seen in in shows, but it, apparently it's supposed to have been inspired by Hong Kong a little bit. Mm. But I get these first off. I get the Madripoor feels from mm-hmm. from the MCU, but yeah. it's this crime riddled world that. It reminds me a little bit of like you get this Vegas sort of Dubai kind of feel. This like it's like there's this underworld, but it's like an up all night kind of city where drugs and gambling and all this stuff goes on, and it's you know very seedy and shady. And now we have our our Jedi, and and we got to keep in mind when when Obi Wan shows up here, this isn't. Obi-Wan from the prequels This isn't Obi-Wan from the Clone Wars And some of those shows where he's He's having missions every day You know he's a Jedi who's Working and Dealing with bad guys And getting in fights He has not done this in a decade Yeah. So he's not This is like he's a little bit out of his comfort zone Right now (laughs) And uh, he, he actually asks someone Why his Like his tracker isn't working and uh, the the person tells him, you know, like, hey, th- this is it doesn't happen here. You know, you're in Dayu. All all our signals are are blocked. People like their secrets. Yeah, that that was an interesting. I mean, it. I guess it's just a plot device where you know that there can't be communication in and out. But uh, yeah, I was kind of, I was a little confused by that. Like, that's a pretty um, in. In this world as we've presented it, where there's regularly communication, like, you know, communication between planets and such. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm picking on this little plot point, but it felt very much like something that would have been in the reshoots where they're like, wait, we need to explain why this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Well, let's have Obi-Wan take his Blackberry too. <laughs> so like, yeah. like yeah. It, there was something about it where it felt like, oh, I need to be explained this, right? You know. Felt very specific in a certain mm-hmm. way, but a but complete... you know the Dayu I thought was a, a you know great design like it it looked like you were saying like it looked great felt lived in um, it can't be the most wretched hive of scum and villainy because we already know Obi Wan's opinion on that he's not like mm-hmm. to Luke Jinze you know that Mos Eisley is the second you know, mm-hmm. most wretched place right so hey it's got that. Um, but it for me, it felt like I I saw Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Oh yeah, like oh yeah, this past year at some point, and memories are, <laughs> scenes in that movie almost blend into the physical space of Dayu for me. Like I can almost imagine uh, a scene from that movie playing out on that main street. It's like it was, it's very close to me in my head, and I haven't gone back to look at Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but it really felt of a piece with that. So Obi-Wan's sort of looking around And he, he kind of asks for help if, if ever I needed guidance master It's now And as he's looking around Trying to get any sort of a lead As to where Leia is There's a clone veteran And the familiar voice of Boba Fett This is not Boba But it's Tamura Morrison Playing like a, a, a veteran clone No money, homeless Living on the street Begging for credits Help a veteran Get a warm meal. This that was, was that was pretty. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> then, you re, then you remember, like, 
Oh, they were probably just at the Manhattan Beach Studios at the same time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Go to air and makeup. Yeah, um, no, it, it was like the, the voice for a moment was just kind of cool to, to hear when you're not expecting it. And Obi-Wan kind of saddened, but he, he does give a little credit, uh, give a little cash there, a couple credits. He's approached by a spice dealer, a young girl. I Played think by his daughter, right? That's his daughter, right? And yeah. and the daughter says, it's really funny because he asks, you know, the daughter or the, the spice dealer walks up and, and says, we want some spice. I got Kessel Pure, Glitter Stim, Felution. And he, he asks for information. So I'm looking for my daughter. She was taken. She's on this planet. And the girl says, if she's here, you're never going to see her again. Nobody leaves this place. I was someone's daughter once too. Which is a really funny line, just yeah. being that yeah. he is her, she is his daughter. And then she gives him a freebie. Says, here, this one's free. A couple more of those, and you'll forget she ever existed. Yeah. So, yeah, es- Esther Rose McGregor, just looked up her name. That's great. Um, and what I loved about this scene, or what I, what I so far appreciate about this show, is that there's been multiple points where they could do winks to the audience, right? There's the point where... Um, Bail Organa and Breha Organa clearly could have said, help us, Obi-Wan Kenobi, your only hope. I'm so glad they didn't do that. Like, obviously, the scene is a parallel to uh, the the call to Obi-Wan and A New Hope. And then here with the uh, the drug dealer junkie, like we we're thinking of, you know, you don't want to do any death sticks from episode mm-hmm. two. Yep. like. Obi-Wan has has run into a, a wayward youth before, but they resist any sort of call, direct callback to that scene, which it's a little thing, but I, I like it when the show has a resonance that's there, but you're not being winked at. It's not mm-hmm. being underlined, you know, like run through that, with a highlight. Light. That's a it's a dance that you have to be careful with there. Right. Because y- yeah. it can get cringy. Yeah. If it's it, it can either be kind of cute, right, and make you smile a little bit, and and, it, and like hit. But if it doesn't, it can be really cringy and just kind of make you roll your eyes and go, oh, okay, yeah, that felt so forced. Yeah, as um, uh, a young boy, uh, I believe his name Jaco, uh, approaches Obi Wan, says, "You having trouble? There's a Jedi. He helps people." Obi Wan responds, "The Jedi are all gone, but Jaco says to follow me. I'll take you to him for the right pl- uh, for the right." Price, and we are then introduced to Haja Estri Kumail. Man, I love Kumail so much. He's so funny. He's so great, and uh, he's he is playing a con man that's pretending to be a Jedi. And we see his whole operation. He's got a couple different people that he works with. This boy Jaco. He's got magnets that help make it look like he's moving things around, like he's got the Force, and he. He tricks people into thinking that he's helping them for money. You know, he'll radio people and, and act like it, like he's using the force to, to you know, enter their mind. And he's conning a mother and son in the the scene where we're introduced to him. And so Obi Wan is, he's watching as this happens. What do you think about uh Kumail using the magnets and uh, the fake Jedi here? I I was so my first reaction to him, I thought. Wow, is this like a Jedi who's kind of lost it? And then you know, you quickly, when he was on the phone coaching the person through the Jedi mind trick, you're like, wait a minute, what yeah. what is going on here? Yeah, uh-huh. um, it, it you know, it'll be interesting. I, I think one of the things about the first two parts we've seen is that 
each part has felt like you said it directly is a direct continuation from part one but it also feels like you know it's the Dayu episode right part one was you know the kind of setup part two yep. is clearly the Dayu episode mm -hmm. seems to have like i don't think kumail will be a character again and so there's ways in which like these episodes maybe sort of contained maybe not i mean i'm yeah, judging no it could we'll be very mandalorian like monster of the week type thing too right like here's what yeah. this week's plot point was or is it like you said or is it going to be a continuation and we does this character pop back up is he someone who has sort of like a yeah. you know like a come to a full circle moment where he ends up Helping Obi-Wan, you know, more And because and, for a big actor like Kumail You would think that maybe he is going to pop up more than once Or, again, maybe it's just one of those things Where, yeah. like, you use him for a cool role like this Who the hell wouldn't yeah. want to be in Star Wars And play, yeah. you know, any kind of fun role And this is a fun role for him he and, and just... it, Yeah, it, I guess what it felt It felt for me like the Probably the, well, I, like I, I I don't know if I mentioned So this Leia thing was spoiled for me months ago That okay. she would be in this show Okay but this character was the first kind of like, you know, we know Obi-Wan so well. We have a sense. I mean, I, I think it's kind of transparent in a way what his overall overall arc will be in the show. But it was exciting to just meet someone new, right? In a show that's wedged between two, you know, uh, that's a great films point. in the Star, Star Wars saga with established characters that can only go so far in their journeys on this show. Right, staying within the boundaries of what's already been established mm -hmm. to meet someone new and not quite know their deal. Yep, something kind of perked up, right? I and agree. I mean, the, the small pleasures, I guess. Of yeah, no, you're right. Between two trilogies, but yeah, you feel you feel there's just a little excitement with him, you know, and and he's so funny and just you don't know good... if you can trust him either. Yeah, you and you still don't even when we like towards the end, you you yeah. you feel like maybe he is he is kind of. Becoming a good guy and sort of seeing what Obi-Wan could do and, and maybe that You know seeing is believing Type but th this was Great he was so funny he he Cons this family and then he, he Radios to his contact like I love it, it was like oh, okay Time to take a quick break like hard work You know such hard work that you Just did conning this poor family That yep gotta take a break here So uh as he Is like sitting there sort of counting His money Obi-Wan Walks in and sort of startles Haja. He says, How did you get in here? Obi Wan asks for help. A girl has been kidnapped. I need your help to find her. <laughs> and he introduces himself I am Haja Estri, Jedi. I help all who are in need. In return, I ask only a few credits. The shadows are my realm, for the light is an unforgiving place for my kind. <laughs> and Obi Wan asks him, How much? Uh, 500 to locate the girl, another 300 to take you to her. Oh goodness, that light really is unforgiving. Uh, I mean, it's a really good deal. Wait, make it a thousand. I'll even show you some tricks. What do you know of the Force, my friend? <laughs> he starts to do like a parlor trick, and Obi Wan is not fooled. He sniffs it out right away. So that, that's a lot of remotes and magnets. And uh, so, it, does he have? He's carrying a blaster around, Obi Wan, right? Yeah. Is that okay? So he's got that, and he's pointing it at at um. At Haja And he So this was a, a, a moment I thought was kind of interesting Because You know Obi-Wan says it looks like you took money from the family He says I just got them I got them safe just a little poorer he Says You're not going to tell anyone are you Obi-Wan says that depends on what you tell me And 
there was a moment where he he asks him, "Are you going to help me?" And Haja immediately answers, "Yeah, I'll do it." Yeah, and it was almost like he had used the force, like to huh. to have him respond that way. But it, he he doesn't because I think we see the moment where he has that breakthrough moment a little bit later on in the episode. But it kind of caught me off guard with just how quick Haja responded. I was wondering if he was getting in his head, but that was just this character like. Weasley kind of doing anything that he can To sort of get out of the situation Yeah I mean I think he's responding to a force Not yeah. the force the, kind There of we thing. go like, I think well it's just done. kind of like well you know, I, I'll, Scared <laughs> just, He's just a, like he's a wuss right He's he's like ter- he would not be a guy that You know would stick up for someone else He just seems like he's like a cringy like Bad dude And so and, why you know why does he I think I think he You know I, I mean we'll, we could but we could talk about it now. Like ultimately he will stick up for Obi-Wan. And and that was a, the first time I watched, like I thought he was going to betray him. I thought that's what you're led to believe. And then the second time it kind of made sense. Like here's this person who's impersonated, probably never run into a Jedi before, like, like decides to, to do the right thing, like to try to live up to this ideal. He is professed to, live up to before right you know um it was it was an interesting character in a way i don't know what else there is to do with him um yeah because he sort of had his full circle moment yeah like he Um, he he helped them get away he 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 was the one that sort of helped set them up to get away and so yeah he he gives obi-wan some info right here he says okay if it's the sewers that you want there's only one place to go but you'll never get in so Obi-Wan heads to this like place that I mean we walk into Walter White's lab here. Yeah. We are like we're watching some spice be cooked up. This is breaking bad stuff. Like in a a spice lab with all these people uh making making the drugs here, making and producing yeah. uh spice. So Obi-Wan's kind of looking around and he looks like he's he's got a plan. He grabs something and then he creates a distraction. So he can look around a little bit more And as sort of walking through He's a- approached by two men One of which is a Zabrak it, Who oh, right, right. The same species as Darth Maul And so th- this guy's got the horns All over his head and it's kind of funny Because while Obi-Wan is sort of fighting with him He cuts his hand on one of the horns Oh that's what I, I didn't notice bleeding. it was on the horn that makes sense Right he I know he recoils Yeah um, Right, so he's right. he's bleeding because he even gets a, a, a referenced after um, that he you know they didn't realize Jedi could bleed, so this was kind of I like stuff like this when you can see that like he's not it, it he still manages to get the better of these two, but it's not easy for him. It yeah, takes I mean, him you know like a, yeah. a little bit of work to and he's he's just out of shape. Yeah, I mean I mean it's been. Like he obviously has this muscle memory, right? But it's been ten years. Probably, I mean, mm-hmm. how many? I'm sure he's gotten in, in in some, you know, a few brawls in Tatooine. It would seem almost inevitable. Uh, maybe early on in his time there, he was a little bit more of a standing up for the common man. But still, like it's been it's been a while. So Obi Wan now enters a room, and it looks as if this is where Leia is being hidden. We see like a uh, what looks like a little girl with a hood, with like a, um, a like a hood over her, but they've set him up. It's a droid there because they knew he would come looking for her. 
so Vecnoku, uh, I think Vecnoku, uh, that's the the flea character, the bounty hunter. I'm he, going with flea, but flea, yeah, flea is better. I was gonna say flea, flea just makes more sense. Is uh, he said I didn't know Jedi could bleed. I figured you'd be smarter than to risk everything for a little brat. But the Inquisitors really figured you out. She'll be here soon. Then we'll be rich and you'll be dead. So Obi-Wan asks, where's the girl? She must be close. And the bounty hunter responds back to him, flee. It doesn't matter because you're not getting out of here. You're not a Jedi anymore, Kenobi. You're just a man. And you're bleeding all over my floor. And uh, Obi-Wan has a plan and uh, says, well, everybody bleeds. That was, <laughs> just, uh, uh, that- <laughs> That I think is probably the line read of the show for me. I agree. That was uh, my favorite of this of this part part two. Two part one line read uh, goes to uh, Lars. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it for you. But, but. this was great, and yeah. so he takes the spice that he has in his hands and he throws it on the floor and he smashes it. So when in doing so, he covers his own face with like a mask, yeah, so that he doesn't get impacted by the drugs, and so. The amount of spice that he had and like the the strength of this drug instantly had uh, uh, these bounty hunters like rolling on the floor. And and this was kind of funny. I think this is one of the first times I can recall like seeing people actually like high in Star Wars. They yeah. were they were literally like lit up on this spice and the powder goes everywhere. And so he's been able to. You know, take care of them at least for the time being, as they're all uh all drugged up. And he enters another room and he gets punched immediately when he walks in that room. <laughs> I, I, I think I laughed out loud. I lo- that was that was awesome. Yeah. It was feisty girl who um so who are you? And Obi Wan's quiet. Like, come on, let's get out of here. Your father sent me. I'm here to help you. And Leia says a line. And this is like another one of those lines that you know. Could be goofy, could be cringy, but I, I I felt I liked it. It hit home. This is like when Luke shows up to save uh, Leia mm-hmm. later in her life, and he's in the stormtrooper outfit, and he takes it off. It's like a little short for a stormtrooper, aren't you? You know, and it's like, where's the army? Yeah, you know, where is everybody? It's just you. Come on, man. So sort of a, a similar type line and scene, but they didn't give you the same exact wording or the same exact yeah. stuff. So you, you know, you just sort of. You were led to to remember that. She yeah, asked, "Why should I?" Yeah, she asked, "Why should I trust you?" So go ahead. Yeah, no, it's a nice par- like there are parallels, even in the. I, I saw this really cool kind of image comparing the like the posture of Leia as she's putting in the uh, Death Star plans into R two, and Obi Wan's posture hunched over looking at Leia. You'd have to see the screenshot to see exactly what they're kind of drawing a parallel in the framing <laughs> of, mm-hmm. of the two. And then, of course, the parallel with the rescue from the uh, Death Star cell is there also. Um, so, yeah, no, there's these kind of subtle callbacks to things in the original trilogy and to their that, that relate to their relationship um, that that I really appreciated in the direction. So it's, uh, she asks, why should I trust you? He says, would you rather stay here? Well, let's go. Which is funny because the the same sort of line is uh, presented to him in the, in just a few minutes by by right. Haja. Yeah. You know, when he sort of says, what other, what choice do you have? Right. <laughs> it's either yeah. this or nothing for you. So 
they uh, they walk out to the streets and they're trying to be as nondescript as possible. They're sneaking out and trying to get off this planet. And Leia says, "This would have been easier with the army." She's just great, man. She's like yeah. sassy, just loving, loving her as uh, Riva. She she thinks everything's set up perfectly for her. She's expecting to walk into this room and see Leia and Obi Wan, and she's good to go. You know, she can take yeah. take Obi Wan to to Vader and uh, and get get a get a promotion. You know, get a raise here. Move on up the ladder a little bit, you yeah. know. But uh, she walks in and flee, and the other bounty hunters are just high as a kite. They are drugged up. This looks like, like you know, LaSalle High School when we were, you know, <laughs> juniors and seniors, seventeen, eighteen year olds at the party in the backyard. Man, these there was. I didn't go. I didn't go to a lot of parties. Do you know? I, it was. I think... a, we had a couple of the the drama <laughs> parties at the end okay, that got okay. a little a little out of hand, right? We had a couple of those that got a little fun, but uh, yeah, this was. Of, of like seeing these people on the floor just rolling around laughing high as can be from uh, from the spice. Yeah, um, yeah, and there. I I mean I I think it. I think they're about to be killed within right minutes, right? Or at least Flea is. That's how I read. Yeah. This, the punishment. Yeah, yeah. Because we see Flea, we see Flea pop back up one more time in a moment because she um she's going to actually. Send out a message and an alert to all of the other bounty hunters, so that way everybody is right. looking for for Obi Wan and Leia. So again, Reva keeps going against what the other Inquisitors want. They want to handle this themselves. She wants to find Obi Wan, and she wants to be the one to find him, and I think take him to Vader. So that that is what she is dead set on doing. And back outside, Obi Wan and Leia. Um, they have to change clothes and Leia notices the lightsaber. So she asks, you're a Jedi. <laughs> she said, you, you seem old and beat up. <laughs> and, uh, he, Obi-Wan's just kind of laughing her off for the most part. And he's trying to find a way out of here. Leia, she's just not scared at all though. Yeah. In this like shady, dark place. She's been kidnapped from her family. She's with this stranger that she has no idea who he is. And she's like laughing around and cracking jokes. So this girl is definitely, she just, she's different. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't, I don't have a, you know, 10 year old daughter. I don't know if maybe, you know, obviously it wouldn't, it would be kind of tonally off at the show to have a despondent, like traumatized child. Um, but I do think, you know, in a way, like, yeah, she's she's easily distracted. She's caught up in this uh, world she's been allowed to enter. But then she will snap and and become suddenly suspicious of Obi Wan. Like she'll she'll turn on a dime, which does seem like a very childlike <laughs> behavior. Again, my, I don't have a lot of absolutely no, experience, you're right. But it, you know, it's like she'll suddenly kind of snap out of that and be like, "Wait, who are you again?" <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, and she runs into this. Kind of, uh, she's she's sort of looking around, and then she almost walks right into this strange beast. This dude reminded me of Harry and the Hendersons. This guy looked exactly like old Harry from uh from Harry and the Hendersons. And Obi Wan sort of gets a bit firm with her. He says, "Hey, you have no idea what I'm risking being here, Your Highness. From now on, you'll do exactly as you're told. Understand?" Yeah. So she kind of. Nods, yeah, okay. So she, I think she got when she almost bumped into that big beast. I think it, it sort of startled her a little bit. You know, it's start, she's starting to now understand 
the seriousness of the situation a bit as the Inquisitors are furious. The Grand Inquisitor is upset with Riva. You would kidnap an Imperial Senator's child. She says, I found a link between him and Organa in the archives. I used the girl as bait. And he's furious, like, hey, I'm your boss. You did this without informing me. But a classic, classic boss move. Like, right? I'm furious, but I'm going to take credit for that I'm, idea. But, but hey, because it works. I'm going to, yeah. But you know what? Uh, I will take Kenobi in myself. You are no longer required. Yeah. It, and he tells her something that I think, you know, really hits home with her. You know, he's first he says, whatever power you're craving, it will not change what you are, the least of us. You came to us from the gutter. Your ability gave you station, but all the power in the world can't mask the stench beneath. Yeah, I don't I you know, so I I, I think I would put a lot of money down that she's one of the Jedi in the opening yeah. scene. I think a lot yeah. of people have commented on that. So is the stench because of something some some position she you know because she was some orphan abandoned child that was found i mean or is the stench because she was once a jedi but then aren't most of the the inquisitors once former jedi former jedi or yeah so that that, i agree this was a little bit confusing for me or just i'm i'm not making as much sense of of this point as as to yeah what what he means there but i think i feel like we will find out a I, little bit more with Riva, right? I think so. And again, like it's one of it's one of those things that that could have a more generic payoff or could have a more specific payoff. And I think this this needs to be something spe- specific and, and furthermore, I think we'll go back in time with with Riva and see more of the flashback from her point of view. Um I think there I I mean, that's what this is one of the big questions of the show where I think if it is really this could be a make or break thing for the show. Like how meaningful is this original creation and how does her relationship to Obi-Wan and Anakin change how you think about their ultimate rediscovery of each other and their relationship? So it's kind of, I don't want to like be, you know put it all on the shoulders of Riva, but as the original creation, the original character in this show, I think there's a lot on her shoulders in terms mm-hmm. of the emotional payoff, right? That is all being, being a link. Yeah. Right. Like, and as soon as this happens and the grand inquisitor walks off with the other inquisitors, she's furious. She immediately calls and the, the bounty hunters and we see flea send out the signal to all the other bounty hunters about, Obi-Wan and she says send it across the city I want every lowlife and bounty hunter On this planet to know Kenobi is here They only report to me I don't want to catch him I want them to squeeze him He'll reveal himself eventually And I will be waiting So she kind of moves up to the, the rooftops Yeah. She starts just chilling up, up there uh, She'll be doing a little parkour In a moment She's very uh, very skilled And as Obi-Wan is trying to find a way out With Leia They are purchasing some different clothes. Typical little girl as uh, he buys the clothes for her. She actually wants gloves too. So yeah, he has to. Gloves. Yeah. Just a little little detail that I, I liked a little <laughs> bit. So they add they add the gloves in there. He says, oh, okay, yeah, pay for the gloves too. And he uh, he even there's a funny line where he says, okay, if anyone asks where farmers from tall and you're my daughter, and she sort of mutters like granddaughter maybe. That was my <laughs> favorite. That was I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> Me too. 
<laughs> this is an old joke, but it's so it was great. Like her timing is great and um, really good stuff. She's smelling. It's like, do you smell that? She's all curious. She's looking around. There's they're out in a marketplace. It sort of feels sort of like a Times Square-ish where you got all these vendors around and people cooking stuff right right on the streets. And she she started starting to get you know. Like a little too comfortable with Obi-Wan now And why aren't you losing Why aren't you using your lightsaber Yeah. Well maybe because you're not really a Jedi I heard they all died I read that Jedi can make things float Make me float you know, and, she, and he's like what She goes I want to float He goes no uh, And she goes yeah because you can't He's just trying to explain If I use the force it's going to draw attention to us Come on And uh, Leia is very curious, continues to ask him, well, you even told me your name. He says, Ben. <laughs> Everything that she says, you know, is either immediately followed by another question or a comment. That's not a Jedi name. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my name. You'll have yeah. to trust me eventually. <laughs> then it was like, is this Leia or Yoda? She says, like, the most philosophical thing to Obi-Wan. How can I trust you when I know you're hiding something? You think the less you say, the less you give away. Yeah. But really, it's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's so observant. And we saw her with her, you know, there's precedent for this in the show in part one when she has a really sharp read on her cousin, right? And so she's just someone who, she's just very, she's presented to us as a very perceptive child. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, pretty pithy way of you know really succinct and uh, smart way of putting it but um yeah i mean i think she's she's sharp yeah uh, oh obi-wan's kind of taken back you know and he kind of smiles a little bit how old are you and I mean, obviously he knows how old she is he, he's like watching 10 year old luke every day in their twins like he was there when she was born so yeah. she says 10 you don't sound like you're 10 and uh, she's she likes that. Thank you. You know, she wants to be an adult. So they're continuing to sneak around. And the kid, Jaco, who helped Hodge Estri set up his whole con, he shows Hodge, look at this reward. Uh, shows Haja, look at this reward. You know, we can make a bunch of money by, you know, being like finding Obi-Wan. So they go to try to find Obi-Wan. And as a. Uh, Obi-Wan, we kind of flash back now and, and we see Obi-Wan and, and Leia. He's approached and almost attacked by a man, but now he's starting to get the fighting back a little bit, right? Like a little bit. He, he knocked this one, this guy out pretty quickly as Leia is. Now, now she's starting to get kind of confused. Like you said, she's very perceptive. So she's, she's reading into the situation. This seems a little bit weird. You know, why, why is this one guy sent? And not a, like an army of people like I was expecting, right. and so she's her her antenna are are sort of raised a, a little bit, and the Grand Inquisitor and the other Inquisitors speak. Uh, make sure the port is shut down. I want to garrison here within the hour. Remember, this is no ordinary Jedi. Kenobi is the last ember of a dying age. Extinguish him. The other uh, Inquisitor comes to show the Grand Inquisitor that. A message has been sent out to all the bounty hunters So he knows that that has come from Reva He's furious Because she is blowing their cover 
Like they they want to get him, take yeah. him away, and she's gonna make things harder with everybody looking for him. And and she's she's going rogue here. Yeah. You know, she's doing she's doing her own thing. Yeah. No, I, I it's the the tension between the inquisitors is you know really drives a lot of this episode and the payoff was was shocking not to get there quite yet but i certainly didn't didn't anticipate while we're there uh, the, the you know reva ultimately uh, stabbing the grand inquisitor but we'll talk more about that in a moment now obi-wan First, we get a little look at Reva, Batman Reva on the rooftop. Batman slash Aladdin. She's like running rooftop. She's doing some parkour. She's a little Moon Knight. The second, second Aladdin reference. <laughs> There's, I know. I was gonna say, man, there. You won't hear too many of those nowadays. But that's that's one of those movies I'll go back and watch as as much as possible. That's that's my all, like my my all time. That one in a goofy movie would I think would be the two that if I had to oh, pick yeah. of those are my favorites there. Um, so. Leia pulls out uh, her droid And uh, she mentions Lola She said she won't make any noise She's hurt And Obi-Wan asks what happened So they're just kind of having like a a moment Because they're said this is a safe spot Let's kind of stay right here But what's funny is They're in the spot right where he just knocked that guy out Mm. So the guy is sort of just laying there On the floor And we see the message Get sent out Again through uh, the hologram that pop up And it's got like the the wanted Picture of Obi-Wan Yeah And so this really sort of startles Leia Now before that happens There's just there's a moment Where we're we sort of start to really get inside Leia's head Where she kind of She just lets it out that She doesn't really love her life And like the palace life that she has As Obi-Wan says Hey, I'm going to let you know your parents uh, that you're safe You'll be back in the palace by nightfall Back to normal She says, normal, great And he says, now who's hiding something, princess? And she actually corrects him You don't have to call me that, I'm just Leia Yeah So right as they feel like they're kind of connecting And they're having this moment That's when Leia sees that message And she does not know what to think Why is there a picture of you? You did lie it, that's what you were hiding You're the reason why I'm here Did my father even send you How do I know you're not the real kidnapper You know you aren't a Jedi I don't believe she just she starts going You know crazy and she runs Off into the crowd So while Obi-Wan is trying to Keep a low profile right. And find a way to get her off There's this girl like the only 10 year old Girl out there like running around in the Middle of she they stick out like a Sore thumb mm-hmm. yeah yeah, no, I, I, the again, the the shift was jarring for me the first time of her her suspicion, but I think the more I reflect on it, the second time I watched it, like she the it kind of just cascade her her skepticism, her suspicion, her confusion just cascades, and suddenly she overreacts. And for all the complaints that I've seen about the low speed chase. I mean, if you think about Obi-Wan trying to keep a low profile, it makes sense. Like, he mm-hmm. has to somehow be, like, moving through the crowd, but not disrupting the crowd. Yep. Um, so as to not... Uh, uh, Cause garner more, more attention. More yeah. attention, yeah. So. And he's, he's, you know, trying to find her weaving in and out of people in the crowd. And she actually climbs up a big building... Yeah, and she's like jumping across the roof. And, she, and again, like the show has shown us her adventure, running mm-hmm. into the woods, climbing trees, and so 
while part of me is like, what the hell is she doing <laughs> trying to hop roofs? Like, on the other hand, like, there's been a little seed there, right? At least enough. You... At least enough. Yep. Right. Uh, just enough, I think, to make it, make her reaction and her just completely running without a plan, like, <laughs> plausible. Right. I mean, kids don't think things... By no. definition, right, their, their decision-making capacities are not fully developed. Like, she hasn't thought through all the ramifications of, of what it means to be hopping from one roof to another. So all that tracks for me. And she nearly gets caught as the bounty hunters are now kind of shooting at Obi-Wan and her. Reva is scaling these buildings and running across the roof. She's trying to find them, and and Leia... Or first off, Reva is incredibly, incredibly um, skilled. She can maneuver objects, manipulate everything around her. And Leia, she makes it with her first couple of jumps, and then she tries to jump off a building that's just got way too much space in between the next, and she falls. And she's hanging on. She's able to grab a hold of a rope, and she's hanging from very high above. To where if she is to let go and fall, she would be falling to her death. Mm-hmm. And this is the moment, the the finally the time where Obi-Wan is able to summon the force. Yeah. He's trying, he's trying, it's not working. And as she slips, her hands slip and she's falling, about to hit the floor, he's able to stop her right before she hits the ground and just... Slightly place her down on the ground So it took Needing to save Leia's life To sort of spark that For him to be able to To dig down deep and sort of reach it This is very like Stranger Things right now too If you're watching this This is you know a little bit of what's what's been happening in there So um, yeah, I have. I I don't honestly. I think I might be out on Stranger Things, but that's another. Yeah, that's a that's a separate discussion. one. That's a separate uh, discussion. But this is uh this is the moment when he's able to finally reach down and call upon the force. Yeah, I mean, it's a you know it, within the episode, it's it's a payoff to her line about about floating. Um, it it's kind of the moment you know. Kudos to the show. What was it like about 50 plus minutes? They waited for us to see any uh, Jedi powers from from Obi-Wan, at least. I one of the things that not to bring it down, I think it's a very cool moment. But the way it was cut, edited before the fall, I really got the sense that like Reva was closing in. And I thought Reva was going to close in like right as this is happening. I agree. It was a little... Then it really calms down after he just kind of goes down from the roof. And so, no, yeah, so where, where was Reva? Direct because you never know how close Reva is in the hunt. I thought she was like rooftops away. Like I, you know, so that was a and, little, like, I felt the kind of come down from that, but yeah, no, I, I agree. And Obi-Wan just sort of runs down to her and now Leia believes, wow, you, you really are a Jedi. So Leia and Obi-Wan are now trying to find their way out. They're kind of they can they're scoping out the scene. As we heard the Inquisitors say, they shut down the port so there isn't travel coming in and out. And from behind, a bounty hunter like a, approaching Obi-Wan. As these bounty hunters all over now are looking for him. So he well, he's he doesn't even realize how many people are are probably have eyes on him. 
and as this bounty hunter from behind is approaching him, it's actually our boy Hasha who saves the day. It's uh, Kumail who's back here, and he uh, he blasts that bounty hunter, and he comes up and says, "Look, the entire city's locked down. It's done. You need another exit. It's a cargo port. It's fully automated. They won't be looking for you there. Go to transport eight. Goes to Mapuzo. They'll be waiting." There are people out there who can help you. And Obi-Wan says, why should I trust you? You're a criminal. But he comes right back. He says, look, this is funny. Have I made a few bad decisions? Sure. Do I feel bad about it sometimes? Do I feel bad about it? Sometimes. Do I like credits? Yeah. You can buy with credits. (laughs) And uh, Obi-Wan says, Haja. And he kind of smiles. He's like honored. Because he actually just saw what happened. I think he saw Obi-Wan use the power, use the force, I think, to save Leia. And in seeing this, I, I think he's become a believer. And so okay. that's, you know, I think I th- that was what I was led to believe, that he saw Obi-Wan use the force and realize that he is an actual Jedi. And so he kind of feels bad now about what he was doing because he didn't really think there were any more Jedi left. Yeah, and, and that there actually are. That was my interpretation. Uh, I don't. I didn't think that, but I'd have to go back and watch. I guess I just assumed that on the all points bulletin on Obi Wan, it identifies him. He's like, oh shit, that guy was really a Jedi. Yeah, but right. I do think that like there seemed to be. I mean, I think part of it is they they're. It's supposed to be a surprise that he's actually there to help him, right? Um, but it did. That was also jarring for me because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was maybe one more scene with Kumail or that even miss like right. Under, if we just saw him watching that yeah. happen, just a tiny little clip of him seeing Leia fall and then Obi Wan, and and then it makes a little bit more sense because yeah, I'm yeah. That's what makes it a little bit tricky here is that we still don't even know. Like he says that he was a good guy, but was he really trying to help or was he you know thinking there was a setup? He is the one that ends up you know. Getting them off Like getting them yeah. the the way out So uh, Haja Says go to these coordinates They'll help you from there Yeah And when Obi-Wan asks is this How do I know this isn't a trap What choice do you have You're but not it does, alone It, it does Obi-Wan. make me think that we're gonna spend more time with Leia In this show that it's not gonna just simply Her being returned to Alderaan me Two too. things because they're going to Mapuzo Number one That felt very much like a Next week on <laughs> you're right. Next week on Obi Wan, um, and also because of her comments about not wanting to go back, like or I, I think there's more to her arc it seems than just being returned, um, than just being a plot device. So I would put my money in that she's going to be continue to be a, a character at least through part three. Like part three might wrap up the Leia storyline, but we'll see. So the Grand Inquisitor. We see with the double spinning the spinning lightsaber now, and uh, he's threatening flee as we see him pull out the lightsaber, and we see him threatening flee, and then we just hear screams. <laughs> we just hear yeah. screams as Haja and Riva come into the same space, and yeah. Haja was pretty funny here. He says, "Finally, we meet." We both know why you're here. I am Haja Estri, Jedi. You found me. You're as good as they say. 
and uh, Reva says, get out of my way. Like, she knows. She's inside of his head. She knows that he's not a Jedi. She can easily get inside, but she, you know, she knows who she's looking for, and it's not him. And yeah. <laughs> he says, what's the bounty on me? A million? Two million? It doesn't matter, because you're not going to get it. <laughs> she's just, he's trying to buy some time for Obi-Wan here, uh, you know, and she says, you're no Jedi, but you do know where one is. Yeah. And she uses her powers, the force, to just fling him against the wall. And his response yeah. was like, that wasn't magnets, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty, you know, the bet. I mean, he seems to probably, does he know who the Inquisitors are? Like, it seems like I don't think common so. folks do know. But he doesn't seem, yeah. It's a hell of a, I mean, We've seen Reva cut off hands for less, so this was a this I I, I kind of feel where you're going, but like this was a quick 180 for yeah. a character who just moments ago was like conning this family and even yeah. ready to come in at the at the urging of Jaco, ready to come and try to sell Obi Wan for the bounty, yeah. but like like you said, there's it felt like there was one scene that yeah. we could have been missing that may have. Like explain this a little bit more to why like yeah. like we we keep talking about the whole like you know we've we've mentioned religion a few times and the whole like seeing is believing but this is this would have been like one of the the doubters seeing the miracle you know yeah you know and then then you're mm-hmm. a believer now and and now you're a follower and a disciple and this like we just sort of missed that moment I think yeah. with um because he's uh, he's essentially he's not just being a decoy I mean he's putting his life at risk absolutely for this person he met you know just not even an hour ago so um i mean i don't know on the other hand i think it worked like he's clearly comic relief through this scene right yep. even in his encounter with the villain i think it ultimately works for me but i it felt a, a little rushed in, in, in this stretch Com- totally agree where it it's it's fine it comes it, the the full circle comes and and he like you said he's a, a, a comedic character and he plays it really funny but I almost like wish I would have seen a little more with him because he yeah. is so good right like another scene or two would have and and who knows like I I would not be shocked either way if we never see him again I I com- could completely understand because it felt like he did everything that he needed by helping get Obi Wan and Leia off of this planet but if for some reason. He is somewhere down the line again. I guess it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if he showed back up. Um, he knows so where they're headed. So. He does. He knows yeah. where they're headed. And uh, the, uh, Obi-Wan and Leia head over to that cargo port. As Obi-Wan tries to remind her, hey, listen, we got to be careful. This isn't meant for people. But Leia says, no, nah, they're not going to look for us here. Come on. Is, it, is that hard to believe you have friends? Look, since I met you, I've been chased, shot at. I almost fell to my death. And now there are inquisiting people after us. If someone's offering house help, I think we should take it. And and then it kind of makes Obi-Wan laugh a little bit. And he and she says, what? And uh, he says, you know, you just remind me of someone. She was fearless, too, and stubborn. I mean, he said, you remind me of someone. I mean, that very well. Initially, you could have easily thought he was talking about Anakin. Yeah. Until he said she. So this is definitely, you know, who? Padme? Um, you know, Likely who he's uh, who he's discussing here. Um, I, I do like a lot of these little little moments, and I feel like there is more with these two that we're probably going to see. Like like you said, they we know where they're going. We didn't see him drop her off yet. So do we get another episode or two of maybe 
something happening and Leia's with him and they got to get their way out of a sticky situation. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's so. I mean, I think this scene was I was true of, of all the moments that hit me. I mean, this was the scene that hit me emotionally when he he recalls well, for the audience recalls Padme and sees yeah. Padme and her and the way she reacts when I think he says, like, she died a long time ago. And suddenly she says, I'm sorry. Like that, you know, and it's, it was, it's almost awkward for her. Right. You know, she's not quite sure what to say. Yeah. Um, was, was really powerful. And I think that I, I think there's more with Leia. And again, the risk when you're dealing with a show like this is they can't, they can't be that bonded because in a new hope, she she makes I mean, she obviously sends the recording to him. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. She seems to clearly know who he is. Right. She says to Luke, Ben Kenobi's here or something along those lines when he's mm-hmm. rescued. But there isn't. You know, if it's someone who was she had a close connection with as a child. Right. Then then you watch A New Hope and you're like, oh, it's Leia and Ben Kenobi. Uncle Ben. And never meet yeah. again. And there's no comment. And so that kind of stuff is sits a little awkward with me, right? There's you're, always a balance when you're bringing yeah. in characters and adding backstory when mm-hmm. the front story already exists. Mm-hmm. That That is spot on. And I, I love this scene too, when she asks, uh, she says, you're fearless and stubborn. Says, I'm not stubborn. And he says, yes, you are. And she fights back. No, I'm not. And then she asks, was your friend a Jedi too? No, she was a leader. She died a long time ago. And that's when, as you mentioned, Leia apologizes. And then they hear the door. And in walks Reva. Reva can sense that they're in there. And she says, Obi-Wan. She, you know, she's good. She really is. Like, I like this character. She's got she's scary, but she's smart. Um, I'm I'm excited to spend more time with Reva. And uh, she says, I can feel you. Your fear betrays you. You don't have to worry. You're not gonna die today. I'm just going to take you to him. Lord Vader will be pleased. We see Obi-Wan's face. It's kind of like it's in he's hiding in this sort of dark corner so we don't get a great look at it but we just sort of see like some of the reactions of his facial expressions when she says Lord Vader, you didn't know. And as she's talking, she's inside his head. You know, you can you can kind of sense cuz she it, can it's Anik. It's 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 Vader and Luke in Return of the Jedi. Even exactly. the setup, right, of her yep. stalking and him hiding and mm-hmm. sister. Oh, you have a yeah. twin sister. Look, it's very much that kind of dynamic. Yeah. So she is she is percept like she can sense his feelings and his thoughts. And uh, you didn't. She says, "Lord Vader will be pleased. You didn't know he's alive. Obi Wan, Anakin Skywalker is alive." And Obi Wan starts like freaking out. He's he doesn't. This was something he was not prepared for. And Reva mentions he's been looking for you for a long time, and I will be the one to deliver you to him. And right as she's about to find him, the Grand Inquisitor steps in. He's furious. Third sister, I can't. I can stand the reek of your ambition no more. And she said, I found him. We we have him here. 
That's when the boss steps in and says I cannot risk you losing him again Move aside, watch and learn And she actually She won't put up with it anymore She just stabs him Right in the gut with the uh, With the lightsaber And as her focus Shifts over to him for a moment That is what gives Obi-Wan and Leia it's just enough time To be able to escape because she's She's one one thing we we know with the force also is that you have to be focused to be using it. So once her folk like she's inside of Obi Wan's mind and she can feel his thoughts and what once her focus sort of has to shift over to the Grand Inquisitor, that's when they the the guard is down for a moment, uh, the shields are down, they can try to make their way out, and so they run off. Just enough time for Obi Wan and Leia to to get on a ship, and his. World has been rocked As Reva Kind of chases them away She screams you can't run Obi-Wan you can't escape him We will find you We will destroy you He's I, I, He doesn't know How to 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 Process this information He's you, you could, He's wearing it on his face Leia can see He's noticeably startled and the young girl asks, you know, what is it? Are, are you okay? And he takes a deep breath and <laughs> he says, Anakin, you know, and yeah. it's, uh, it's such a, like, you know, if on one hand, if his greatest regret is his failure and having, you know, he had to kill. And I mean, imagine the tr- trauma of having to kill someone you love and then finding out they're alive must feel on one hand, like, a relief from that guilt, but then also a, a sense of like, Uh-oh. you know, I mean, yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's not a relief at all. Right. Yeah. Um, because of, of it knowing means he cannot keep like the, whatever atonement or not atonement, but whatever place he's reached to live with himself now is, is, is laid bare. Right. It's, it's <laughs> not, so he, it was he like, it, you know, it, it was like a it. penance, right. That he was right. serving for himself was like, right. I'm, I'm going to, this is my life every day, you know. The premise of his life is like completely undermined. (laughs) Completely flipped upside down. And now we see Anakin, not Vader, old man burned up in the back of the tank, scarred underneath the mask. And that's our first look at Darth Vader in this series. And uh, it's Hayden Christensen. Yeah. So, Unrecognizable to me. Oh, I, I've tried to look at the. Me too. Like, I, I couldn't pick your pick yeah. anything out. Picture. Pick, there's nothing that I could uh, that I could take out of there that that was that was Hayden. But I we we've had you know some things here and there, some nitpicks, and we I think I have a couple worries maybe moving forward about this and about that. And you pointed out, got to be careful when you're adding a lot of stuff to the front when we already know how the how the end is, what's yeah. going to happen on the back end, but. I was very pleasantly um, I, I'm surprised with with how much I like these afterwards because it can be a little. I was a little bit worried, but it did feel a lot like a movie, and I, I thought the quality of it was really, really good. And I'm very, very excited moving forward for uh, episode three this coming week. Yeah, I mean, I'm con- I I think you know before I questioned, am I even going to enjoy a show like this that I think has a questionable justification for existing. Like what story is there to tell? 
And I'm still not sure what the story they'll tell is, or or rather why it will be meaningful or how it will elevate, if and how it will elevate the films around it. But I'm feeling pretty confident I'm going to enjoy the show. <laughs> but but remember where I was at the, after the second episode of Book of Boba Fett. So we'll just have to revisit this next if, week. <laughs> I was going to say, if we get a hard turn, things could be drastically if different. If there's a fucking rancor in episode three, yeah, I just, don't know. I if don't it know. just it just the rancor shows up out of nowhere, just just dropped in to sell a few more toys, right? We cannot have that happening yeah. here. Uh, Matt, uh, any final thoughts uh, before we get out of here? This is where the fun begins. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Matt Velasco will be here each and every week to discuss, dissect, to deep dive. Obi-Wan Kenobi and everything going on In the world of Star Wars Matt buddy thank you so much we got through the first Two now we'll have uh, just one episode each Week the rest of the way through and uh, Lots of lots of Disney plus content Coming up with Star Wars stuff um, And and Marvel stuff There's just going to be a ton of uh, uh, If you're a a geek and a nerd And you love fandom like we do there's going to be A lot of content out there which is sometimes good Sometimes bad We'll We'll I'll be here for the journey Matt Alasco, very uh, very lucky to be having Maddie helping out and talking with us every time that we've got something in the world of Star Wars. Don't go anywhere, folks. We've got a lot more on this episode. Stay tuned. We'll be here with you every week now talking Obi-Wan Kenobi with Matt Velasco. And we'll move into our final deep dive recap of Moon Knight. And uh, that'll be episode six with Tim Kelly. First, we got to talk a little bit about full service realtor Cindy Carava. Now, she has been with That's What She Said since the very beginning of our show, and she has been one of the longtime supporters. And she's a full service realtor. And what that means is she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing, with really anything that you need involving your home, involving a home improvement. Um, you know, she can help connect you with the right type of vendors if you are looking to work with a gardener, landscaper, painter, people that she's worked with and has a whole lot of experience with. If the the loan process is tricky for you, she can connect you with the right type of lenders that will expedite that, that will make things a little bit easier for you. They'll check all the boxes and take care of some of the, the stuff that you, you may not have even been paying attention to and, and you didn't know you had to do. That's what she wants to do, just make life easier for you. CindyCarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. That's the website. Give it a listen. Uh, give it a look. All of the information there. Uh, you've got reviews on Yelp. You've got Zillow. And on her site, all of the listings, former projects that she's had, stuff from previous clients, everything you need, all that information, CindyCarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Let's get into Moon Knight, Episode 6, spoiler alert. It's our deep dive of the series or the season finale because it looks like we're going to have a season two of Moon Knight series finale season finale of episode of the I'm bumbling all over the place season one finale deep dive recap and review this is episode six with Tim Kelly spoiler alert we're getting everything that happened in Moon Knight are finishing up Moon Knight with uh, episode six with our deep dive recap and review and we uh, took a little longer than normal to uh, to finish this one up, but we had a it's just a tough schedule over the last few weeks. And TK, we have a busy schedule coming up as Tim Kelly joins me to talk about yeah. episode six and to finish up with Moon Knight. As we finish this one up, we'll have uh, Doctor Strange coming up. We, you and I want to go rewatch that movie one more time before we can deep dive it. Then we've got in uh, I think just 
two weeks, uh, Miss Marvel. Following that, wow. and that will be that'll take us through June. Some of the new episodes of Miss Marvel, I think, start June 8th. Then in uh, the very beginning of July, we've got Thor: Love and Thunder, and that'll lead us into uh, August, where we have She Hulk coming up uh, in August, <laughs> and then in November, uh, I believe it's uh, Wakanda, um, uh, Black Panther. I, I wow. believe it's going to be our next one. So. We just have, there's supposed to be a, a Halloween special too on Disney Plus That's going to be just like a, I think uh, just a, a special So basically every month we'll have shows, movies coming up now And um, actually I'll be doing other recaps with uh, uh, Matt who joins me to do my some of my Star Wars stuff Obi-Wan just dropped right. uh, their night So lots going on in the worlds of Star Wars and, uh, and Marvel and MCU, huh? Yeah, Disney's really uh, laid it on thick these days, huh? They're yeah. uh, they're dishing it out. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this or not, but they just released a Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie, which I loved as yeah. a kid. Did you watch the movie? I haven't seen it. I saw a little trailer, some snippets of it. I'm all in on on that concept. It looks great. It is. I will tell you, it's fantastic. And so anyone out there to watch it, it's it's really funny. The approach. Is great. It, it is just mm. hilarious, like their take on it. So give that a watch. Disney Plus doing some great things. And uh, as we get into Moon Knight, and now we've watched all six episodes, so we can sort of talk about the the full series, and then we'll get into uh, episode six here overall. I really, really enjoyed this one, Tim, and in, in kind of yeah. stacking them. And it's hard not to compare these shows and projects to some other ones. I think in particular. Right. When we're in the Disney Plus era, we're kind of comparing mm-hmm. these shows to the other shows that have been released. This was easily in my top two or three. I think I had mm-hmm. this right up there with Loki. I mm-hmm. really, really enjoyed how new and fresh everything felt. It did not felt feel retread at all. I loved it. I'm a big fan of tying in the history with yeah. you know, I've always been a fan when the uh, when the MCU and Marvel can do this. So, give us some of your uh, your overall thoughts of Moon Knight now that we're hitting on uh, the the season finale because it looks like we're gonna get a mm. second season of Moon Knight now. Yeah, I gotta echo uh, your sentiments that it's definitely my one of my top Marvel anything's really definitely my favorite Marvel TV show. I'll go ahead and say that it's number one for me. Um, and I really enjoy the, the Egyptology and the historical fiction aspects of it. And like you said, fresh, this thing was something that we just hadn't quite seen in the MCU yet. Um, the MCU has done many things so far. Uh, and it's, it's repeated itself a little bit. Obviously there's been multiple sequels to all their various franchises, uh, but this, they, they found a way to carve out a, another corner um, in this universe that that feels very well established. It feels deep with the mythology behind it. The mythology doesn't contradict the, the, the current mythologies that already exist, but it only builds upon them and, and, and adds more color and texture to how they all kind of fit together. So I really enjoyed it. Now, add on to that, you've got Oscar Isaac. Uh, in the mix, you've got Ethan Hawke, uh, great script, great direction. Um, th- these episodes moved. They they had a lot of different beats and vibes to them. We went from, you know, slapstick comedy to mental uh, just uh, craziness to action, to adventure, 
to uh, some horror elements that I wasn't that I, I didn't see coming. So I, I was really impressed by this series overall. Yeah, I've uh, I I've watched it so much now because we've you know we've had a lot of time in between some of our recaps and like each time, mm-hmm. even in just before we recapped it again, I put on the sixth episode just to sort of refresh it and yeah, really really enjoyed so much of it and I didn't feel now. I'm not going to say it's perfect. There were some things no. here and there that you could critique, but I didn't feel that the the struggle sort of coming to a close with mm-hmm. this series, like we may have with a couple of the other ones where we've been like, wow, mm-hmm. this is the last episode, and it feels like they have a lot of things to tie up here. Yeah, That didn't – I didn't feel that as much with this one. It felt like, mm. one, there, they, there were a lot of kind of cleanish sort of ways to end, and now, two – it does look like mm-hmm. we are heading to a second season. So I thought that the way that they handled it all was 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 pretty well done. And and the one thing in particular that I'm kind of dancing around is the the Jake Lockley revealing himself at yeah. the end. Spoiler alert, we're gonna find that he's there. And this is tricky because throughout the series, we kept waiting. Okay, we know that there's probably this third right. alter ego in there somewhere. When it, when is he gonna come out? Because now it's episode two, now it's episode three. Well, okay, now we're like halfway through the season. Now we're in episode four. We still haven't met him. Are they going to bring this guy in, in in just like one episode or just for the finale? And I think we were sort of hinting at maybe they do something like this and they just do it in a mm-hmm. a post credit scene. And I thought this was the best way to do it because you didn't yeah. you can just sort of touch, like scratch the surface on it. You don't have to get into it, and we feel like that's where we're headed next with this character. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, as you kind of uh, as you kind of mentioned there, this show has balanced scales. Uh, it really did. Well done. Balanced. The, well yeah, done. Ba- boy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It balanced the idea that, you know, it's going to be a self-contained story uh, with a beginning, middle and end. But also, you know, something that's going to carry on in season two. And it, it did that very effectively. I thought the payoffs in the finale felt like the earned payoffs like we saw the scarlet scarab and you know in full dress we saw uh you know a big kaiju fight uh you know that we we saw a lot of things come to a head uh and then we saw some resolution with arthur harrow uh at the end in that post-credit scene that also gave us a taste of what's to come with the jake lockley reveal so i thought that that was a great balanced way to give us a, a little bit pay things off but also dangle something just ahead just around the corner that that is really juicy that we can sink our teeth into in a in a season to come in it it wasn't easy it was some of the things some of the tasks that they had to accomplish with this i mean in this episode we have a talking hippo a talking <laughs> crocodile we have these huge life-sized gods that are out there <laughs> battling we've got the you know the scarlet scarab there we've got moon knight bouncing back and forth between mr knight and moon knight yeah. so there's a lot of things that could have gone sort of awry could have gone a little bit goofy i thought they hit a, you know they did about as well as possible with all of those different things to have to to have to hit and i just didn't i don't have Many critiques about this show He said it's not perfect There there are going to be things people Okay this could have been done a little But it was entertaining 
It moved Mm -hmm. visually I liked it and it just felt very fresh It checked a lot of the boxes that I want From a a TV show Or a movie or any kind of content that I'm watching Absolutely It it checked a lot of boxes and um, Yeah if you want to be critical about it You could find some things Um, But honestly none of those things came from Performance from Plotting direction Any my, my biggest complaint Really and it's a it's a nitpick Is CG I think the CG was a little bit undercooked, uh, and that's just, I think, a byproduct of them having to do a lot. They're spreading their talent kind of thin on all these different projects and having to farm out CG to different, you know, different production houses, you know, all around the world at different rates and different skill sets and different skill levels. Um, so that's that's going to happen. And it's again, it's a TV show, so they're not putting the most into the CG like they might for an Avengers movie or something like that. They don't quite get that Thanos level of, of detail. And, you know, Thanos doesn't even, in my opinion, touch some of the stuff that's been done, like planet of the apes, some of this really photo real CG that's out there. Dune, a great example, Oscar Isaac movie that just came out this year has great CG that just doesn't look like CG. It just looks like photography. And I think that that is something that is right around the corner with Marvel being able to achieve on their TV shows. So I think the Mandalorian does it pretty well. The Star Wars universe does it pretty well uh, with the use of the volume technology. And that's only going to get better. Yeah, that was my my main gripe, too. The, some of the CGI a little wonky in yeah, what, what bad, bad. No, just, and, and just we're hearing undercooked. That just because of everything that's gone on the last couple of years too, there's major delays with like VFX yeah. and backlogs and stuff. And so I think some of these projects get to the point where it's like, can we wait to for like right. for the difference in something that's gonna look like 85% versus a hundred percent? Can we wait? Yeah. And that's sort of like the conversations that they have a lot of the time, like, screw it, we have to just go ahead with it, you know. Um, which is a little bit there's of a whole slate. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Cause that's that's the one little thing here and there. Like I think with the Scarlet Scarab when the wings came out, and they're like there are a few moments, but that still looked cool. Like I still loved it when yeah. she got in the costume and she and when when Steve it's like, oh my god, you look amazing. <laughs> yeah. What what are you wearing? You know. I thought she did. Looked, I thought she did look amazing. She <laughs> looked fantastic. And I I just recently watched um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where uh, nice. where Jonah Hill does the you know. Oh my goodness! You know, and he's doing the thing. He's doing yeah. the voice, and, and Aldous Snow is like, "Is that supposed to be me? Is that stupid accent supposed to be me?" Kind of reminds me of Stephen a little bit. Like Stephen <laughs> almost has like a like a Jonah Hill trying to do Aldous Snow in him. Oh my god! It's just That's sort of, <laughs> so I just kind of caught it as I was watching the watching that show, uh, watching that movie the other day, and love that movie. Oh, it was, I, I was telling Stephanie when we were watching it, because I don't think she'd seen it all the way through. I was like, if I was making a list of just the best rom-coms, not even my oh. personal favorite, but like that yeah. one's got to be on there. It, it really Way is. Way up there. It's really good rom-com. Yeah. You just can't help but just laugh and kind of smirk uh, many times throughout that movie. And yeah. um, I feel like it's a beloved movie, and yet it's still underrated. I, I, I absolutely love that movie. Ap- you're right. And one of the better, like, Songs for a movie too Inside of you is great <laughs> yeah. I just sing that over and over So uh, lots of tangents early this morning For us as, <laughs> yes. uh, This is what happens when we haven't talked for like a week or two You know, We, have, we <laughs> right. feel like we just have so much to go To go in circles on So um, Really I thought they I thought they ended this 
very, very well. It was a lot of fun, yeah. and uh, we will dive in and hit on everything as we get through our uh, our deep dive here, and we pick up episode six of Moon Knight, which was titled Gods and Monsters, and this was changed from the series finale to a season finale because it looks like we are going to get uh, a season two. We had the previously on, and then the MCU title screen rolls up right away. We open on Mark's body. He's dead in the water in the pyramid, and we see Harrow and some of his followers with the Ushapti of Amit places the scarab on Mark's chest, and he's sort of apologizing. I'm sorry, had to be this way. Mark, Stephen, whoever else might be in there. So as as they prepare to try to release Amit, Layla's in the back and she's kind of hiding. She's seeing everything go down. She actually mm-hmm. sees Hero's staff become filled with Amit's power, and the staff transform transforms itself into this. It's like an axe with a crocodile head. The the mm-hmm. stick that he uses to judge everyone. And um, at the moment, Harrow and his followers are focused on Amit. Layla mm-hmm. kind of sneaks through and she's trying to revive Mark. She realizes that he's dead. And it was almost like a moment where she she like she thought he was faking. She like she went up to yeah. him and she was like she didn't want to believe that he was dead. She she thought that like she could wake him up. And yeah. and I Denial. I kind of like that cuz it it sort of felt yeah. real. Like you don't want to believe someone that you love or someone that you're close to is really gone until you see it yourself. And yeah. then when you do it's like Oh, there's this second wave of like, oh my gosh, I knew that, but now I really know it. And it's just yeah. something little that I I felt when I was watching it with her. I thought it was little details like that I just love. Yeah, I mean, it, that's uh, psychologically very accurate right there. I, they say the stages of grief, the first one is denial, right? So I, that, that's good writing, if you ask me, It's a, and good performance by by the actress. So Layla now, she's distraught. And she's just like breaks down Realizing everything that happens But she finds the scarab On Mark And she's able to follow it And follow along with Hero's people So she's kind of in their convoy Now And as as Hero and his group Are driving through They arrive at this checkpoint Like a security police checkpoint <laughs> I love how nonchalant He just gets out of the car Yeah, He's like <laughs> no no we judge you. You don't judge us. <laughs> and he, yeah. and he takes his his staff and he just like places it down, and it judges the souls of all of the the people around. And if you are evil and you have been a wrongdoer, it takes your soul. It kills you. Think of, and of this group of like ten guys. There ends up being one that Harrow mentions is a good man, so he <laughs> is saved. And this scene is like, wow, it just quickly we see him early on yeah. in this episode just blasting people. Yeah, and it, uh, most people are not spared, at least amongst these cops. It's uh, there's like you said, only one. It's like, really, there is only one good person in this whole group there. I guess the sample is cops, but still, like, man. Is there even validity to the uh, to the judgment? What or is it some kind of random thing? Like uh, I, I I truly wonder what's going on there. Me too. Is it like does he just press the button 
right? He like right. puts it puts it down. It's like judge, and he just judges the person in front of him, even if it's not supposed yeah. to be. Like that's sort of what Towerit was saying is that people are being judged before their time. You know, yeah. so now it's like we're having all these extra souls that shouldn't even be around. It's like it's like overflowing with with because it's not the time for these people. Um, so Layla is is getting ready to attack him from behind, but Towerit actually speaks to Layla through the dead bodies that are on the floor. This is so weird. It yeah. was so bizarre, and it's. The one thing that we're noticing that I've noticed now with um with Marvel and with the releases of their projects, they are doing a very good job of setting things up in an order where okay, so we see, we just saw this happen in Moon Knight. Spoiler alert: I'm not going to get deep into the specifics, mm. but this is something that we see in Doctor Strange. Yeah, reanimation like, of the dead. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, Speaking through other yeah. other bodies, and so it's it's it, it when you watch some of the things that they show you on uh you know they'll show you something on Loki or on What If, and we think sometimes yeah. did we need that, and then all of a sudden we realize right after that's why that was shown before this movie came out. Kind of happened with uh what was it like with Hawkeye and with Spider Man? They wanted to make sure that you right. saw you know Charlie Cox before you saw the Kingpin coming in. Yeah. So there were like little things like that where. Th- even those are tiny things, but they do a good job because we, if we may not have seen this here in Moon Knight or, or just the fact that we mm-hmm. just saw this in Moon Knight, it made it a little bit easier for everyone to just kind of comprehend and understand in Doctor Strange. Like we yeah. kind of just saw this. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, we this was something that was relevant. So there's just such little attention to details when they hit things well. They really mm-hmm. are are hitting on all of the little specifics. So. Multiple times we see Towerit speaking through these dead bodies. Layla has no clue what's going on. Like she's looking around, yeah. and at first I didn't either. Like oh, uh, no, clue. it's a little jarring at first when the dead body starts talking to you. You get it right, like pretty soon after, but like I I remember initially just being like, "What the hell?" But it, it is kind of a freaky thing. So Layla. What the hell these dead bodies are speaking to me But Towerit says look I'm talking to you Through dead people Harrow is too powerful for you to stop alone If Mark can return To life She says wait what do you mean return to life And Towerit says He's gonna need Conchu Break his Ushapti It's in the chamber of the gods And you can be my avatar I love how sweet Towerit is yeah. Mark says wonderful things about you. You know, she says she's so pleasant. As uh, yeah. Layla is like, no, no, I'll fight him on my own. And that's one thing we see throughout this episode with Layla. We were concerned, mm-hmm. and Mark was concerned all along that Conchu was going to try to make Layla his avatar. And and Mark so much basically sacrificed himself for. Periods of his life so that Layla wouldn't Have to do it and we find out The moment that Conchu tries To ask Layla she's just like no Yeah <laughs> it's so funny Like to me it's like Mark's like I can't let this happen I can't you know I, I gotta Protect her and all it would have taken Was just Mark to see that Layla would have been like No I'm not gonna so do that So true and that's so relatable too I mean how, how many times in life 
Have you like feared something? You, you this big thing that you put in your mind that it was going to be this something. Maybe you're procrastinating over Especially over if it's your it. Your girlfriend forever. or your significant other yeah. who you want to sort of protect, or you think like you're being the tough guy by what you're doing, yeah. and they're like, "What do you? What do you mean?" Yeah. You- then, then when you finally confront it or you know do the damn thing, it, it ends up being like this small potatoes. Or, you know, it's 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 nothing. The, the the task you were procrastinating for the last you know six months took you 15 minutes to accomplish you know that that i i felt that sometimes so i could definitely relate so uh um osiris and the gods can now sort of sense what amit is trying to do it's like it's about about time here gods you know conchu is you know first conchu was trying to warn you everyone's been trying to warn you here you couldn't you were like no we'll just stay out of it we're, we'll let them do their thing. This is what we do as gods. We don't get involved. Come on, come on, gods. You know, you, <laughs> you, you're a little late to the to the uh, arrival here. As Hero yeah. and his followers, they arrive at the Great Pyramid to confront the gods, and he is pretty much just quickly done away with them. The the council, yeah. like Osiris and all these gods, within moments, they're just lying all over the floor. And here comes Amit. So what'd you think of uh, of the way Amit looks, the way that she's presented here, and um, of uh, of Harrow coming into the council and, and sort of taking over? Um, it happened pretty all pretty fast, as far as I can remember, like, like you said. And I I love the way Amit looks, like this crocodile alligator beast thing. Uh, I thought the CG was pretty solid on Amit, and I liked that they grew in size as they as they fought and ended up being this like kaiju battle that i think you pointed out in a previous uh podcast is like could anybody even see them fighting that huge kaiju battle or is that just for us the audience you know um i thought it was pretty well done but i i I gotta be honest i don't even remember arthur coming into the room and taking them out it happened so fast like i can't remember how it happened like what did he do did they shoot him like how did he take out all of the uh we didn't really gods yeah we we they're just sort of lame on the floor. Okay, yeah, we, we, okay. Yeah, yeah. There's like a flash and and they're there and the gods are all sort of talking about what to do. And then all of a sudden we see kind of Harrow and his followers arrive at the Great Pyramid to confront them. And he says, You won't believe, you know, your judges, not warriors. This doesn't need to happen. This was all so avoidable. And then all of a sudden we just see they're laying on the floor and we see Her- uh, Harrow conjure Amit. And then, uh, and then mm-hmm. Amit is there, this huge crocodile-like uh, figure, and Amit begins to interact with Harrow. Uh, to whom do I owe my gratitude? Harrow says, your humble disciple, my goddess, to whom you owe nothing. And she tells him, your scales lack balance. He says, I had hoped my penance might correct my imbalance, but I see now that's impossible. I accept the scales regardless of the outcome. That is the one thing I sort of respect about Harrow is that the dude is crazy, but he is really crazy and driven by a purpose. He does have right. a purpose. He's willing to sacrifice his life because he doesn't think he's worthy if that's if that's what's needed for the greater cause. Yeah, he's not a hypocrite. At least uh, he doesn't seem so in, in this moment. He seems no. like he, uh, he uh, walks the talk. So Amit lets him know your skills lack balance because of what lies ahead of you. What lies ahead of you is your service to me. And 
Hero says, okay, we can spare the world The pain I will cause, I will submit And Ahmed says, no Your death is going to be delayed Because I've once relied on a servant Whose scales balanced perfectly In exchange, I was bound to stone For 2,000 years So I believe he's referencing Alexander the Great Oh, yeah I think that's the reference In that Alexander the Great was the one who eventually had, like had the baby face turn. He kind of became a good guy right. at the in the end, and that's when this horse, this um, I say horse, this croc, this crocodile like. <laughs> like I, I'm so in the horse racing world that I'll yeah. whenever I see something like this, I'm like, this horse looked like that. It, it was uh, <laughs> it was actually like I, I think a, a reference to real world history in the 2,000 years ago that Alexander the Great was the final. Avatar of Amit before Harrow now um, so mm-hmm. Kind of cool to uh, to Just have that little tidbit there What Amit says is If you serve me and you Will find peace Do not let The pain of the past Control you so We've got a uh, Harrow As the avatar for Amit mm-hmm. and While this is going on Layla Layla sees it happen She's kind of she's watching everything going on. She's been sneaking around trying to to follow, and so she listens to what Tower it says. She she realizes that she cannot do this alone. She needs help, so she goes and releases Konshu. She smashes the the Ushapti, the little statue, to release Konshu, and Konshu then sees Layla. And he can sense that Mark isn't there. He says, I can I do not sense Mark Specter in the world. He died fighting. So Conchu says, if Mark is truly gone, I'm in need of an avatar. Would you, Layla L. Fowley, protect the travelers of the night? And I love the He's way all formal. The, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say the way that they presented this was great. Like you uh-huh. there's like the music and the buildup, and it's sort of like the same thing that we saw mm-hmm. in the scene where Mark became Moon Knight or where where yeah, Mark becomes Moon Knight and he says, you know, Layla El Fowley, will <laughs> you protect the travelers of the night and be my avatar? She just goes, Are you joking? Like, she's, just <laughs> she's like, okay, boomer. <laughs> dead hands him, right? It's just, I thought it was fantastic. And uh and yeah. also another one reminded me of I'm doing the the Stranger Things rewatch, and it's like Dustin uh, it gets all excited to go ask the one girl to dance and he's all pumped up and she, he's just like oh. you feel like it's going to be the moment and he walks up there uh. and she just laughs at him just no oh. it's like and even the way the mu- the music is playing it's like oh cool Dustin's going to go get the girl he's rocking uh. the steep hair right now and it's like oh no thank goodness for Nancy she comes in and saves the yeah. day and uh, and helps him out so uh. it, this popped me uh, I laughed quite a bit as Layla says no you turn Mark's life into a walking nightmare. Why would I ever sign up for that? Oh, well, that would have saved Mark a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's telling, too. I love that because she's a ride or die for Mark, and she takes him at his word. She's not, like, tempted by the power of this. She's like, no, Mark said that this ruined his life. I believe him. I can see it. Like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be – you know, seduced by this otherworldly power or whatever. I'm going to see it for what it is, and I'm going to stay loyal to my man. And I, I love that about her in this moment. And then it, it pays off in the end because, you know, spoiler alert, she ends up getting to be an avatar after all, but to a, a much nicer hippo god. 
so Khonshu tells Layla, look, you're not going to win against Hero and Ahmed alone. She doesn't care. She says, I'll take my chances. Mark was in crisis over you. Um, and uh, Khonshu tells Layla, like, his lack of focus is what got him killed. He calls her a little bug. You need a plan, little bug. She says, I don't care. Mark didn't trust you. I don't trust you. We can work together without me enslaving myself. Conchu's frustrated. It's like, uh, we must rebind Amit. And Layla asks him how. Conchu tells her, only an avatar can do it. He's trying. He's trying to he just keep saying, look, well. just, let me get inside of you and then we can do this. Right? <laughs> let me get in there. <laughs> Whoa. She's like, no, no, bro. And, uh, and he keeps pushing. He keeps pushing. Amit then, uh, Amit to Hero tells Hero to let's purify the souls of Cairo and then the world. And Kanju shows up trying to stop this from happening. And we get the little back and forth between Amit and Kanju, where <laughs> Amit basically is like, Kanju, you're not looking too so good, huh? Things aren't going great for you. You, you, you know, <laughs> you're, you're like a. Like a skeleton now You're not even like a bird like you used to look You, You've really really time has not done you well mm. So They used to have a relationship Is what we come to find out And I think Conchu, they, they both are into punishment But for as yeah. For as shitty as Conchu can be at times He is actually Someone who has a much better And much more logical Strict of guidelines And the way that mm-hmm. he operates then with Amit, who's just like chaos, can end it all, burn everything. Conchu, mm. whether or not he should be the one making all the decisions, Conchu does only punish the bad. Right. Uh, it's an interesting thing, though, because Amit at one point, I think, says it through Arthur Harrow or Arthur Harrow says it. But like he doesn't give the the like the sinner. I'm paraphrasing. The, the pleasure of committing the sin be, uh, before doing it, before yeah. punishment, I guess. Yeah. Like, I, and, and, and that was the one thing where I was like, huh, he's kind of got a point there. <laughs> yeah. From the perspective of a god, like, we might stand, like, outside of time. Like, that kind of makes sense in, in a way. But then that does remove the idea of free will, which is something that is, I would assume, to be sacred or important for some reason. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's a really interesting philosophical battle at the, at the heart of this. And that was the one argument that kind of like made me go, oh, well, at least there's like a consistency of logic, uh, to this villain. And you can, you can kind of see their point when, when they put it like that. Layla, she shoots him down. She shoots down Hmm. Khonshu. Khonshu's got to go try to figure out what to do on his own. We see Khonshu and Amit interacting. Hmm. And now we get to the field of reeds. Where it's Taurit and Mark And everything is so quiet And peaceful And the scales are balanced And Mark's heart is full And the journey is over And it's it's the same line That we got in uh, in Spider-Man Right from Dr. Octavius Where he says It's Mm. so quiet When Mark says that It's like right when Peter has fixed uh, doctor and he can't hear the voices And the noises inside his head anymore And um, Tower it mentions this is the peace that you've always Wanted but never had You're manifesting it no danger No loneliness no hurt But he can't even enjoy it for For a second Mm-mm. He says where's Steven yeah. Well Mark he's gone 
The duot has him. Now you can enjoy your peace. <laughs> like, if I gotta enjoy my peace. There's no Steven here. Yeah, what do you mean? Steven's my boy. That's my that's half of got me. Steven? That's a part of me. <laughs> what are you talking about? We need to go back for him. She goes, Well, no, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't work like that. If you leave here, you're in paradise now. You don't just leave and come back. You don't get a hand stamp on here. You know, like you you can't you can't come back inside once you're out. And you don't need Mark anymore. And you don't need Steven anymore, Mark. And he, he can't like comprehend that. He said, So I just get to go on, have eternal peace, and he's lost in the stand forever. Very what dreams may come. Great movie. Yeah, yeah you're right. Conceptually. Yeah. And he he says, No, I can't do this. And he leaves. And so he gives up his time in paradise because he feels like part of he's not whole. He is not complete without this part of him. So he has to go back and try to find Steven and make himself whole as Amit and Khonshu continue to debate, you know, who who is right? Khonshu says, you speak of balance, yet you choose Harrow? Your avatar is a sinner. Amit responds, you're jealous of his loyalty. You know, he was your avatar before Khonshu, you know, bounces back. Loyalty at what cost? An empty world for your disciples to inherit. So they're going back and forth and trying to, you know, trying to prove that they feel like they are uh, in the right. And while this is happening, Stephen and Mark find each other once again. Mark finds Stephen, and at this point, he's a block of stone in the sands. Right. And this reminds me of sort of. The end of WandaVision When Wanda's having the moments with With the boys and then with Vision mm. It's like this isn't real yeah. Right we, we know this As we're watching this we know That Steven isn't A real person he's a Fabrication of Mark's imagination We've we've literally mm. seen it in the Last two episodes that he created mm-hmm. This alter ego so How can we be emotionally ch- uh, Like chained to, to Steven how can how can this scene be emotional when it's like it when you actually think about what it is? It's it's like yeah. Wanda and Vision, it's a robot and this like witch, yet we feel the love they have for each other. I thought this scene was so powerful with with Mark yeah. Steven, man, you're looking pretty rough. I don't know if you can hear me. From the moment we arrived, we you arrived way back then, we were so young, you saved me. I survived because I knew I wasn't alone. You were always there, alive, full of hope. I tried to protect that. I failed. I couldn't abandon. Uh, I couldn't protect you. You didn't abandon me. You never abandoned me. And he said, although that field back there was looking pretty good, it was looking pretty good. <laughs> and he's like joking. He said, "There's no way in hell I'm going to abandon you. You are the only real superpower I ever had." Mm-hmm. And he says this as he is. Becoming stone himself And there's this Moment right as he's about to Fully become like Hardened mm. and They they embrace And and the stone Starts to crack And they're both Alive and so this this Moment where he's sort of talking to himself And it's a conversation That normally we see had With 
uh, a husband, a wife, two different friends, mm-hmm. people in the family, like family members in, in a movie or in an, a scene yeah. in a show. It's or not, a castaway in a volleyball. A ca- right? Wilson! <laughs> right? Wilson! Like, it's just, it's usually a different person. And when it's this dynamic, it can be goofy, but it can, when it's done well, it's equally as powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. It only takes one person uh, caring about something for an audience, I think, to, to be invested and, and care in the moment. It doesn't matter that it's not necessarily real or reciprocated by someone else, you know, in the world of the story. Um, just the fact that, you know, Tom Hanks cares about that volleyball makes us care about, about him. That We empathize with the emotions that he's feeling and he's invested in something. And that that's that's what we latch on to, I think, as an audience. So now we're back with Amit and Conchie. Well, first, Stephen wakes up and he says, you came back. What the hell's wrong with you? And I like the moment where Mark's like, well, I, I mean, I did a, a whole little speech there. And Stephen's like, it wasn't that little, you know, so uh, just that we joke about it with Marvel sometimes that they. Like in the serious moment, they can get a little too goofy and not lean into the serious. But I thought this was funny. Like this was funny enough mm-hmm. to where they had their serious moment and then they have the joke after. I, I like the the timing and sort of the tone of that. Yeah. And uh, we're back with Amit and Conchu, and the fight begins as Stephen and Mark are able to make their way back to life. Now, like they they're able to. Get themselves back into the body in just a moment with with help from Towerit. So we are now getting God Wars here. This is what we've got yeah. going on. We've got a, a lot of different yeah. gods. We've got some avatars here, and we're getting cuts back and forth from Mark and Steven to Conchu and Amit fighting. As Amit says to Conchu, "Tell me to spare you, and I will." Conchu wants to go down fighting. I choose obliteration. Over mercy And um, So this Sets us up for Conchu Needing to bring Mark back now Mark and Steven were trying to make their way Over um, They had to come in contact with Conchu And Conchu tells them I feel the pain inside of you Do you want death or do you want life Do you swear to protect The travelers of the night Mm -hmm. Rise and live again So uh, we see The Moon Knight suit Slowly come on to Mark And this was the best visual we've seen of it Where where the suit engulfs him And It happens in a very different way Right in like Mm -hmm. this slow Like taking over Of him little by little that we haven't seen Before and yeah. it's like it, like it fills him up. I, I just I love the way that that we saw the suit come over Mark here. Yeah, it's it's a true resurrection in this moment. It's not just he's transforming uh, into the Moon Knight, but I mean it's it's resurrecting Mark and Stephen in this moment as well. And I love the imagery of the the close up of the bullets uh, dropping to the floor. So you get immediately with that, you you know that he's he's healed and that's his power and. Um, he's he's back. He's back, baby. And we're we're, we're setting up a great showdown uh, at the end here. And I love the action that ensues once we finally see this version of Moon Knight and Mister Knight kicking ass alongside uh, Layla. It's it's a it's a pretty great uh, 
finale, I think, that they've they've worked their way up to. And all that going on while Amit and Kanchu battle it out, too. So this is really uh, heating up here. We now uh, are set up with Moon Knight. And as as they're planning the attack, Steven pops up and he's Mr. Knight. So that's what's yeah. that's what happens now is they can they can control a little bit better when they pop in and out. It seems like Steven can kind of yeah. present himself more and they can let each other come in and out a little bit more than they did before because what's of, so yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry, what's so great about that is uh it echoes the journey that Oscar Isaac had in playing the the characters. Um so I watched a little bit of the assembled on Disney Plus. And Oscar Isaac basically at first would try to separate everything and only do Mr. Knight stuff on one day and Moon Knight stuff on another day and try to really make the characters distinct. But by the end of filming, you know, he could do it on camera within one take, just back and forth. And it just became like he described it, it became his own superpower. So very cool and uh, an interesting new dynamic here that we get to see them just kind of free flowing back and forth between each other and the way that plays out in the action sequences that ensue i think makes it all the more interesting to watch those are very good the assembled shows that you mentioned on disney plus they're really fun to take a look at some of the behind the scenes stuff uh, how things were made always worth watching and um so steven wants to make a deal with conchu Says, okay, how's this in this arrangement going to work? Hmm. Says, we come as a package deal now, so you're gonna have to deal with me. And we did just save your life, so you're welcome for that. But I think you should answer my question: how is this going to work? And Conchu's, you you're gonna negotiate now with so much at stake? <laughs> he says, Yeah, we learned from the best, you silly old bird. And so Conchu begrudgingly, okay, I'll release you both. You have my word. Okay, they like that. Glad we got that all sorted out. You so, both, not you three. You both, yeah. <laughs> that that's a great point, right? He did say that you both, not you three. So Conchu turns back the night sky, and as Conchu and Mark and Stephen prepare, we see Layla back in the pyramid. She is. Now with Osiris, she's she's actually saved Osiris, and she's asking Osiris what needs to be done now. Wh- what can they do to stop Amit? And Osiris basically tells Layla, "Look, the chamber is our most powerful place. From here, we need to imprison Amit in mortal form." She says, "Okay." Layla asks, "Like a body instead of a statue, she'd be vulnerable. How do we do it?" Osiris continues on. We need more avatars than we have left. And Layla's sort of struggling. She's trying to figure out what to do. She's kind of alone. And she does what most people do when they're struggling and when they're alone. They look up to God, to a God. And that's what <laughs> she asks for Towerette. And Towerette is pumped. Layla! <laughs> We're going to have so much fun together. I'm thrilled. And, uh, <laughs> Great. Now it's so funny when I have my notes written down. Like I said before, um, it's like uh, there was this funny clip going around recently about uh, Charles Barkley and all of the different like flubs that he's had on, when he was live on air covering basketball. Uh. And, and it's so great. I mean, I spent about an hour watching this thing because when you're live 
you you can't help but like you get your words jumbled so much. And yeah. He, he would be like, I'm telling you, when there's a guy that's down there banging you like that, it's not that. And then he just stops. You know, he'll like stop. And then the guys on the set will just be dying laughing. And he'll be like, come on, guys. You know what I'm saying. It just uh-huh. sort of. You know, it, it, it kind of reminded me of uh of, of some of these uh it's sort of like awkward like I, I'm writing down Towerit is inside of Layla or like or like right, right. enters Moon Knight and I'm like reading <laughs> it back after you. like hmm, yeah inside <laughs> of you all all of our worlds are colliding. Little Aldous Snow, little Aldous Snow action. Infant sorrow and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so put Tower it on it. the soundtrack. Yeah, oh, that's so great. Uh, Tower it um is now entered Layla, and uh, she actually tells Layla, "Your father is going to be over the moon when he hears." She's like, "What, <laughs> my father?" And Tower it says, "Yes, I met him when I took him to the field of reeds." But she didn't say it like that, though. She said, "Field of reeds." Reeds, exactly. <laughs> Field of reeds. Yeah, I she love put it. like an extra four e's in there. <laughs> she does say that like that. As uh, Towerit says, uh, "I have a fabulous costume in mind." So we will uh, revisit Layla in just a moment. First, we flash back to Harrow, who is chanting atop the pyramid. All of his followers now. They begin judging people, so they're grabbing people's hands and using their taking their souls, using the scales to judge all of these people before it's their time to be judged. Yeah. In I'm I'm following along with the transcript right now. This is such a funny part. Uh, I know you're looking at it too, but it's just like a bunch of parentheses over and over again <laughs> with a. Uh, People screaming, rumbling, dramatic Middle Eastern music playing, continues chanting, growls, both yelling, grunts, both screaming, <laughs> groaning, both grunting, both yell, people gasping, both grunt. <laughs> That's those direct quote. I know you're looking at it too. That's so funny. It is. Um, and, uh, and bursting through the rubble, it's the Scarlet Scarab in costume. And she extends her wings and while... We have some complaints about the C- the CGI. I thought she looks fantastic. Like she looks sexy. Yeah. She looks great, and it was yeah. it was really cool. Art design in this whole show has been phenomenal. Like the the level of detail, the Moon Knight costume, the Mister Knight costume. I really like this. I got to say, um, just I didn't notice the CGI in this moment. I, I I'll go back and relook at it because you you pointed it out earlier too as one of the ones that stood out. I noticed it randomly here and there, sometimes with Khonshu a lot. That really stood out to me. Sometimes with the Moon Knight um, CG specifically, not the design again. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I truly uh, really enjoyed the look of this. And I thought it was a great um, connection to the comics design of the Scarlet, Scarlet Scarab. Uh, but also I thought they were throwing a little shade at Wonder Woman 1984. I'd heard the director and um, you know, the executive producer of this had commented about the use of Egypt in Wonder Woman 1984 was really ham-fisted and not a good depiction of, of, you know, the culture there uh, as it exists in real life uh, and that they wanted to, to do it justice in this. And so I couldn't help but notice that this costume looked a lot like the costume that was revealed at the end of Wonder Woman 1984. And it was also kind of squandered in that movie. That movie was terrible. And yeah. that, that moment was 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 wasted and kind of like 
in in regards to the story, it kind of made no sense. It was it was a total uh, <laughs> misfire, I'd say. Just yep. maybe they 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 did it to sell a toy. I guess that's the only thing they had success with. That if they did sell any toys for it. But I digress. I thought that this was just putting it in um, DC's face a little bit uh, uh-huh. and letting them know, like, this is how it's done. This is how, yeah. This is how when you put a little attention to detail is how it should be. Mm. So, I, yeah, everything I heard about that was the the stuff from Egypt all felt just very real and authentic, mm-hmm. too. And it yeah. didn't feel like stereotypes, right? The right. way things we've seen and heard in, like, mummy movies and stuff forever. It's like... Oh, so you're telling me this there's no like real city or there's no modernization at all to this place right. or just completely living in the past? Like, come on here, you know? This mm-hmm. is like I'm I was always led to believe that we're like watching ancient Agrabah from Aladdin, <laughs> you know, like anytime there was like yeah. Egypt or something in like in India. So it's like, come on, you know, the way it could have been presented was always so much better. And I thought they they really did it very well here as uh Moon Knight and Hero battle through the sky, but you get the visuals of him right yeah. in front of the moon, which I thought was, Love that. was cool. That was awesome. And we get Khonshu and Amit battling as Amit mm-hmm. says to Khonshu, look, there's so little difference in what we want in the world. Why do we do this dance for the rest of time? Khonshu said simply, you know the answer. I only punish those who have chosen evil. Amit says, so do I. I just don't give them the satisfaction of committing it. Mm, that's the one. That's the line. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's where I'm like, oh, okay. You, you, you've got a point there, I guess, from your perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I don't agree, but like, I can see you where you. Yeah, I can yeah. see where you you rationalize it for yourself. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, it says, "Be at my side." Conchu disagrees, and they continue to battle. And there's a moment where our heroes look like they're in a bit of trouble. It looks as if Amit has the better of Khonshu. It looks as if Harrow is about to kill Mark slash mm-hmm. Moon Knight. And here comes Layla, the Scarlet Scarab. And now we yeah. really see some of what she can do. And and Mark and Layla embrace. And they, they oh, he says, oh, baby, they give uh, a big hug. And, and as Layla's like, you know, how did you get back? Steven Steven pops out. He can't like control himself. Yeah. He just says, Oh my god, you look amazing. What are you wearing? <laughs> I just uh-huh. I love that because he's such like a little kid. He can't control himself. He just has to, even in this moment where they're about to die, he has to pop out just to tell her how good she looks. You know? Yeah. It's like this isn't the time for this, Steven. You can give me the compliment yeah. later. But um quit simping. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, they embrace. And Steven's gushing over Layla as uh, we we keep cutting back and forth now to what's going on with them. And then Amit and Khonshu is Khonshu um, is is struggling. Amit asks, why fight knowing you will fail? Khonshu says, because it is my choice. The very thing you take away. So, damn, for all these things, these times that we hate Khonshu, you know, he says something like mm-hmm. that. And it's like, OK. Damn, it's kind of hard to hate you yeah. when you're saying things like that. You know? Free will. Comes down to free will again. I mean, a lot of these shows that we've seen so far have, have really re- revolved around that. I mean, the whole TVA, I think that, well, at the crux of that, the ethical question is like, does this eliminate free will? Um, and that's such a huge religious 
uh, theme. I mean, in, uh, in, in Christianity, it's a, it's a big part of it that God, you know, gave, uh, human beings free will. And that's an important thing that we have the choice to do good or, or not. Uh, and why do we have that? Um, that's a question I think people will always ask, uh, religious people will always ask that, you know, now we, uh, we have Layla saving the day. We have, uh, the struggling moment for, for Khonshu and for, uh, and for Amon as they battle. And, and we have the moment where, Moon Knight and Mr. Knight are kind of switching back and forth, each one coming out when when needed, each one using their strengths. Layla and Moon Knight and Mark and Steven are battling with Harrow and his followers in the streets. Kind of really cool um, fight sequence and fight scenes here. And then we have the moment where Layla saves the group of women and a young girl. And I think this was kind of that spot that they were talking about with uh, with Wonder Woman 2, where... Mm. The woman, the, the little girl asks Layla, are you an Egyptian superhero? And she mm-hmm. responds, I am, which is, is really cool. And like, Badass. we're going in this direction a lot. Heck, Miss Marvel that comes up is like a 16 year old girl that I think is uh, is, is Middle Eastern or um, some that mm-hmm. some I'm, I'm not exactly positive on the specifics, but, you know, she's from Jersey. And so she even mm-hmm. says at one point, like. Superheroes aren't like young brown girls from Jersey. Yeah, I believe she's Muslim too, and that's an important yep. part of uh, yeah, you know, her character. Yeah, and uh, Mark, I believe is is Jewish. Is that right? Am I yep. remembering that right? Because we see the Star of yeah. David necklace, you know, right, right, throughout um w- when he's wearing it. So I, I just little things like that were, were really cool. It so makes Layla, the world more lived in and, and, and real and relatable to uh, everybody, you know, real life and characters. That's yeah, that's what we always say about Marvel. In general, is that it takes that that the human element and really injects it into the the superhero world uh, and on all all the minutia of it, all the little quirks and and things that make human beings different from one another, and the shared experiences that we all have. Um, uh, and that's what that's the beauty that they can get they can cover it all. You know, we can have characters of all shapes, sizes, colors, and creeds. So as Amit. Is about to destroy Khonshu uh, Harrow Reminds us you know and He he tells Moon Knight And Mark if Amit had been Allowed to rule young Randall's Life would have been saved your Family would have been happy She only needed to remove one weed From the garden You mm. And he's about to kill Mark He's about to kill Moon Knight He lifts up the staff and he Puts it into Mark and at the moment where it feels like our good guys are in some serious trouble, mm. we get a flash. We get a cut. Yep. They bring There's it back. A blackout. Which we then they hadn't done it in this episode quite yet. So it's like yeah. one of those things where you almost forgot about it. Yeah. And 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 at this point, we're like, okay, what? There's 15, 10 minutes, 15 minutes left in this episode in the season. We're not gonna get Jake coming out anywhere. And right. and they didn't say it was Jake. But they did tell us know. that it wasn't Steven yeah. and it wasn't Mark. Right. You know? So. Because later. Process of elimination. It, yeah. Mark wakes up from this blackout. And now all of a sudden he is holding st- uh, Hero's staff. And he could have killed him. And all yeah. around there's destruction everywhere. Chaos. Bodies laid in his wake. Mm-hmm. And Mark is confused. He says, this wasn't you, Steven. Steven's like, no. 
And then he looks to the side and Layla's looking at him And she says Mark <laughs> Mark what the hell was that Yeah So he I love uh, it me too. I, I, I got to talk about this for a sec because, like, uh, I love, I love that the they brought this back, and I mentioned this earlier on when it when they first showed this that it doesn't feel like a cheat, and that works for a, a few different reasons. Like, if they had just showed up and then this this jump happened and we didn't get to see any action, uh, it would really be a cheat, honestly. But we got to see some great action, better than we'd seen in any. Uh, you know, Moon Knight episode thus far. I think they really upped the ante in this one with going back and forth with Mr. Knight and Moon Knight dishing it out with those those guys on the street with um, Arthur's uh, men. And then uh, you've got this moment like that, like you said, we hadn't quite seen for a minute, so we kind of forgot about it. And they bring it back right at this pinnacle moment, this this peak of the the, the climax. And it works because we we also get the visual of the aftermath. We see that the, all the effects of what has been done, and it's all in the production and art design around him. So we're still told the story within that, and it fits so perfectly in with what we've already been shown about this mystery third character that they've been hinting at and dropping clues at along the way. So it doesn't feel out of place. It doesn't feel unearned. It's like a trick that they've used on us, but it's it's perfectly warranted and perfectly executed in a way that I, as an audience member, don't feel like I missed out on like a really cool moment where Jake Lockley takes out all the bad guys. No, I would rather experience it just the way I did. And uh, that's the beauty of the way that they did it there. Uh, it, it was clever in a lot of ways, you know, showing all that would have cost a lot of money. Uh, and so they saved it by not showing it to us. But again, what is the end result? I, as a viewer, am happy. And I, I think that they really achieved something there. I thought it was really cool, really smart, really well done. So Layla brings Harrow to the point where they need to complete the task that Osiris suggested. They bring him in the room where they can bind Amit to Harrow's body. So they need to start a spell. They both start chanting in ancient Egyptian. And Khonshu... With them in this ceremony, they are bounding Amit to Harrow. So Amit and Harrow are one in this body. And and Khonshu doesn't want to stop there, though. Khonshu says, finish it. Leave neither of them li- uh, alive. While he, while he lives, so do does she. So as Mark, as Moon Knight gets ready to kill Harrow and Amit, Layla stops them. Hey, look. You don't have to do this anymore. You're not bound to Khonshu. You have a choice. And Mark Mark stops. Khonshu tries to keep riling him up. Hey, the choice is vengeance. We cannot take the chance that Amit finds a way out. She will kill again. And and Khonshu's right. You know, they probably should yeah. kill kill Amit. They probably should just eliminate the possibility that there's any chance. Right. But then this is this weird cycle. That's not what Khonshu mm. does. That then he is actually going to become Amit when he takes away the choice, and so it's this big full circle. I, it's fat bastard. It's a vicious cycle, right? I eat because I'm unhappy, and I'm unhappy because I eat. That's what we're mm. that's what we're going with here. And so true. I I, I kind of like that. How that's how life is, right? There are so many decisions that I make every single day when I talk with Stephanie and my girlfriend and other people. It's like 
there are decisions that you make every day that neither of them are good. Mm. Whatever choice you have to make, it's not like this is my good choice and this is my bad choice. It's like, well, shit, either thing I pick, something's going to suck. <laughs> Something about that yeah. is going to be compromised. Someone's going to be mad at me or I'm going to have to cut that out or this is going to be. And that's sort of what is happening here. Is this the best, the most right decision? No, but this is how life is supposed to be. We are not supposed to be in control of other people. Hell, this is a, a big – this is something going on in politics right now in the world, right? Everyone wants their own sure. – everyone feels they're entitled to their own opinion. But it gets to a point where it's like, I'm sorry, your opinion is dangerous. It's not valid mm-hmm. anymore. Like what you think you have mm-hmm. the right to say, I, you, it's probably not – you probably don't have that right. you know. And it's sort of like mm-hmm. – it. it it plays out in this little scene very much because it does remind me of like I look ar- I look around right now at things that are happening and I'm like I want to mm. tell people you can't do that or I'm better than you or this or that but then it's like am I the same am I going to be that person too for doing that for being right, right. really judgy and talking down to people and like I'm better than you because of the way I do things and that, that's that's this is it's a real tr- it's a real slippery slope here that Conchu's like heading absolutely. Toward. Yeah, and it's a, it's like a religious theme again. It's uh, that whole judge not lest you be judged. Like there, there there's that sort of thing. Uh, it's not uh, our place to to judge others. Um, and so that there's that argument against the death penalty and stuff. And I think that's kind of a good um, a good parallel to what's going on here is that uh, Mark and Stephen don't want to to be you know, the instrument of, of, of this judge, uh, in Kanshu, they don't want to, uh, deal out the punishment and stuff and, ha- and be beholden to Kanshu and then have to, uh, I don't know, you know, have to, to violate their own conscience in a way, uh, that, uh, that doesn't feel right to them and violate their own morals and their own ethics. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know if I even necessarily agree with it in this moment. I got to say, maybe you could even argue that's a plot hole. I don't know that it necessarily um, removes free will because we have seen Amit. He's our, or she has already done the bad things. You know, mm-hmm. Amit has already uh, committed the crime, so to speak. So mm-hmm. punishment is warranted in, in, in this uh, and I, or at least consistent with Kanshu's principles. Before, but I think it's meaningful this moment uh, for Mark and Stephen because they're rejecting the control. I think that's the most meaningful aspect of it to me is that they're they just don't want to be under the thumb of this god uh, anymore. They want freedom. This moment is about uh, their own free will, um, not others' free will. This is kind of like almost a selfish choice on on their part because they're going to embrace their their own free will. At least that's how I see it. So Mark puts down the crescent ring No more killing from him And Conchu releases Mark and Steven from being his avatar From being Moon Knight As you wish So we As he releases him We then flash back to the mental hospital And it's it's Steven Talking with Harrow who is looking like Ned Flanders again, the doctor yeah. version of Harrow, who says the imagination is very real. The chair, yeah. the desk, the light were all first created in the imagination. Stephen asks Dr. Harrow, but do you believe that Khonshu and Ahmed are real? And Harrow says, do I? No. And then Mark pops in and says, what if we disagree, Doc? 
What if we believe something different? Harrow says, then our work here will continue. And as Mark is sort of looking around, it's like the 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 room and the world around him, there are, are like little imperfections starting to come mm-hmm. through. And he's starting yeah. to to realize that what he's created in his head, you know, this is just re- this has just been fabricated. Yeah. He says, you know, I don't think you know as much as you think you do. And while it's tempting to accept your diagnosis, Doc, we'd rather go save the world. Ladies, gators. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they're out. So Stephen realizes yeah. it's like it, he's not crazy. It's not yeah. him. We get the great the great visual of the, the blood smeared on the on the floor from his feet, from Arthur Harrow's feet, calling back to the glass in his shoes and the reality of that kind of setting in and the, the reality of that world kind of uh, bleeding, literally bleeding into this reality that we're watching now. Uh, and I love the reaction from uh, from Harrow that Ethan Hawke so brilliantly plays in this scene. It's an ambiguous kind of performance where uh, it's very in the moment, but to the audience, it's ambiguous because uh, we're, we're not sure if he's in on it at first or if he, we're being deceived, if this is the real reality or an imagined reality. And uh, I think Ethan Hawke just does it so brilliantly because he plays it at face value. Um, he plays it real. And then you get this brilliant moment where that version of Arthur Harrow, the doctor, the psychologist, is kind of realizing in the moment when he sees the blood that he's maybe not real and that he is an, an imagined uh, uh like character in Mark's mind or this version of him is maybe, maybe the Arthur Harrell exists somewhere else in the world, but this version of Arthur Harrell, like is just in a way, another, another altar of Mark's cause it's this mm-hmm. personality that his mind maybe created out of nothing, but exists somehow exists as a personality, you know, in the way that I imagine that doctor if that doctor died, would go through the field of reads process in the way yeah. that like Stephen did. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like uh, mm-hmm. uh, just that psychological character becomes real in the spiritual world. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot at play here, and it's ambiguous. And I'm I'm reading into it as an audience member, but that's and that's what and they want us playing to do. around with it exactly. And that's the beauty of this show. I really love the way that they executed that. Because you really don't know. That's what's awesome about shows like this. It's like how much of this was real? How much of this was supposed to be fabricated in his head, made up, a guy struggling with mental health, um, not realizing you know, that he was slipping in and out of different personalities and different realities. And mm-hmm. now we – we get right back where we started. Every day I wake up. Yeah. We're right back in the apartment in London. Uh, Stephen Mark gets out of bed and he falls right on his face, just yeah. like that moment at the beginning. And it's like there's two fish, two goldfish, yep. if I'm not mistaken. In telling us that they're co- going to coexist now, yeah. that they needed yeah. each other, that that Stephen, that Mark without Stephen was going to be incomplete. He created a, an alter ego And so on the surface it looks a little bit crazy Right and that's a word mm-hmm. that crazy people Don't like or you don't say around them But it looks a little nuts you know But mm-hmm. we all this is We all have this We all have parts of us that are exactly this And if we didn't have that part of us We wouldn't be complete That's, that's mm-hmm. every single person Good point Yeah. Sometimes they'll say about people Like the the thing that is like 
your mental illness is also the thing that is your superpower in a way. You, you see it play out in like what's it, savants and you know certain people. People in business might have like a really aggressive attitude or something, but that might be the thing that gets them all the success in their business, and that's like kind of the driving force or their 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 own personal superpower. But there's probably a downside to that. Maybe their family life is in shambles or they've they've been aggressive to people and ruined relationships and stuff. There's always that counterbalancing force. There's always that yin and yang. Uh, you know, these uh, tools that we have can be double-edged swords. You know, personality traits can be double-edged swords. And that I, I see that so commonly. Uh, and I, I think that the show really does a good job at uh, kind of portraying that. So that's uh, the end of the episode. We do have yeah. a couple... Uh, uh, we do have a, a little bit afterwards as we get the end and then we get the uh, a post credit scene we're back in yeah. the mental hospital but now it's harrow that's the patient we hear a man speaking yeah. spanish over uh we hear a man speaking spanish and then we hear this man who's like whistling as he's pushing harrow in a wheelchair and he pushes him outside through the mental hospital. And as he's wheeling him out, there are dead orderlies yeah. and people lying all on the floor all over the place. Like this man came in, killed them all, and kidnapped yeah. Harrow. So that, you know, and he, he's he's taking him out and he, he wheels him outside up to a car and it's a limo. And he pushes him into the back of this limo. And as uh, Arthur Harrow sits down, Seated across from him is Conchu in a suit. <laughs> like, oh, looking sharp, Conchu. And uh, um, Harrow says, Conchu, you can't hurt us, kind of jokes. Conchu says, yeah, you want to know something? Mark Spector truly believed that after he and I parted ways, I wanted his wife to be my avatar. Why would I ever need some anybody else when he has no idea how troubled he truly is? And Conchu, he knocks on the little window that divides the the driver in the limo from the passengers in the back. And when he when that window rolls down, he says, "Meet my friend Jake Lockley." Boom. And uh, Jake turns around from the driver's seat and says in Spanish, "Today is your turn to lose." And he blasts Harrow oh, yeah. and uh, and then drives off from the uh, yeah. the driver's seat from the limo, just blasts him. And we hear the gunshots in the back. So we've got a third here. We expected to see Jake. We weren't sure, but we get him at the very end. And I think this was the right way to do it, especially knowing yeah. that it, I feel better that they didn't try to put a bow on everything Get the Jake right. stuff all finalized and figured out and like rush it all through this episode. Now we've got more, and I'm actually kind of intrigued by where we're heading moving forward with Jake, with Steven, with Mark, with Layla, and what's gonna be next. Where's their next adventure going to be? What are they gonna have to do? I'm I'm intrigued by it, and I I think they did it all very, very well. I really thought they put a good bow on the end of this yeah. show. And that's something that Marvel has had a tough time doing with their shows and projects because it's there's always something mm-hmm. coming next. There, yeah, it's 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 like a never-ending story. So it's not it's not very easy to put a finalized stamp on things that are going to continue to go. But I thought this 
thought this did a, as well of a job with a new project, finishing yeah. it up, and then getting you ready for what's to come next. It was a an excellent coda, I gotta say. I mean, the way that it wrapped up the Arthur Harrow story, I mean, th- there was a finality to that. He's literally dead in the last frame, or we assume he, he took a couple of bullets. We know, you know, Kingpin might not be dead from what we're we're guessing, and that's how he ended. So I don't want to get too far uh, ahead in, in assuming there, but let's just assume the Arthur Harrow story is done, and it was a nice ending to that. But it also is the beginning. It's the beginning of the Jake Lockley story. And that that is going to carry conflict with it because still, um, you know, Mark and Steven do not know about Jake. They're they're in the dark. They, they have an inkling that something's going on, that they, they're, they're blacking out and not knowing what's going on. So they can probably assume, put two and two together there, that that's that's a thing. Uh, but um, that that Jake is aligned with Khonshu, that's something that they have no idea about. And that, I think, is a great central conflict for the second season, or it could be one of, uh, you know, a few conflicts that they that they juggle really well. But there's a lot to 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 dive into there, because, again, you've got Mark and his alters at at odds with one another. So we've we've made some progress. We've taken two steps forward by having Mark and Stephen become one. But now we're going to take that one step back and have to deal with with Jake and he's once again going to be at war with himself. So it's going to be playing out the same dynamics of the first season, but with a twist. Uh, so it'll, it'll do what Marvel does really well, which is bring us something familiar that's grounded in something that maybe we've seen before, but throw a new spin on it. Give us a fresh take. Mm-hmm. That's what Moon Knight was. I think from bell to bell. And I think that they've set themselves up really nicely to continue that streak and in, into season two. I agree. I'm, I'm really excited moving forward. I was entertained throughout. I was intrigued. It was all new. It was all fun. It was all fresh. And um, we will have moon Knight season two to talk about with you next year here on that's what G said, but we won't have to wait till next year to talk more Marvel and more MCU. Oh. We're going to shoot for uh, a week and uh, we can go watch Doctor Strange maybe once or twice more. Um, so we, mm-hmm. uh, we're we all deep dived on that and ready to rock. And then, heck, in two weeks, we'll be uh, we'll be starting to talk Miss Marvel. And I think we'll have Miss Marvel throughout June. Like I said, that'll lead us right into July, July 8th, Thor Love and Thunder. Then a month later, August, middle of August, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. And so that'll take us through um, August into September. And then in November, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is scheduled. So we've got a lot coming up in the second half of uh, 2022 as far as Marvel MCU. And um, maybe at some point, you know, if there's little bits of of gaps, we'll um, maybe we'll even talk some of the movies like that have uh, like led up to it. If we, you know, maybe around the Thor time, yeah. we can sort of talk about some of the other Thors and maybe just sort of his uh, or or recap one or two of those movies or some of the stuff along the way. But We're going to have some fun, buddy. It's uh, going to be talking with you a lot coming up over the next few months. And uh, I look forward to uh, to our chats and our deep dives and our recaps. And I thought this was a really fun one. I I could sense in talking with you throughout the series that we were both kind of on the same page. We I I, I can't really recall any of these that we've been drastically apart Mm -hmm. on with how we felt about them. But this this one, it's it really felt like for most of it, we were. 
Because I, I saw a, a, some people critiquing some things out there here or there, but I just mm-hmm. I was really into this for the most part, and and I yeah we I think we both felt pretty positive throughout. Definitely, um, for me, and I think that was important too because I I've just been feeling a little bit of strain coming from from Marvel, and I've been seeing waning returns in just terms of quality uh, and just little bits of things that I'm not super happy about creeping in there of just and for lack of a better word, I'm just gonna say like cheap shit. Like just cheap shit creeping oh, its right. way into the movies. Absolutely. To to in order to, to to get from point A to point B, whether it's you know CGI rushed stuff, um, or just storytelling that can maybe feel a little bit uh piecemealed at times. They really needed a reset and something that was grounded and new fresh uh and that just kind of also existed in its own corner without too much influence from anything else i think they tried that with eternals but that was a big swing and a miss that was something that probably could have used like a trilogy or some much longer form of storytelling to really get those characters and and do them justice uh but yeah i'm I've been kind of noticing and as still as a fan, just that, that there's a little bit of diminishing returns. And that's something that I expected and thought that was a distinct possibility with such a huge slate of projects to manage. How can one guy, Kevin Feige, oversee and make sure that the quality is the same on all of those? The answer is he, he can't. It's a it's a group effort by by all means. And also, they're not successful 100 percent of the time. So that's just a given. Uh, but it's commendable with how good they have made these projects. And Moon Knight is a huge W for them and something that I think has re-imbued the uh, MCU with a, a sense of prestige and quality that it, it needed. It needs a little bit of Iron Man back, back in the mix. You know, If you think about how you felt about the MCU when Iron Man came out, that felt like a real movie with like a, a big actor in it who... Um, you know, before that wasn't the RDJ we know now, but was still, he brought this gravitas to it and it felt like a real film uh, with a capital F, you know, it was, it was, it was blockbuster movie making, but it was also cinema in a way. And we're kind of drifting away from that. Moon Knight was a great, especially for TV, a great reintroduction of that kind of prestige Mm -hmm. quality because those oh, I will say Obi Wan really feels like that, like a movie. Yes, right? yes. Like when you watch Obi Wan, and I watched a lot. The first couple episodes of it just came out the other day. We're not going to get into I, that, but I saw the first twenty it, minutes last night. Yeah, yep, that's how I felt. Feels like you were watching a Star Wars movie. Like it doesn't yes. feel like any attention to detail is lacking at all. Like everything. And that's what these Disney plus Marvel shows need, and they have had, but they they falter at times. It's about eighty percent. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like they're really well done, but they're we are so used to things being as close to perfect as possible that if there's like little things that we can find, we're going to we're going to find them. You know, there's some big things, too, uh, that we're we're generous about. Yeah, there are bigger things. And we've been a little. Yeah, you're right. Like we've been a little more generous, but we're they've they've done a pretty good job from the beginning at setting such a high standard for themselves Mm -hmm. that now you got to keep it. We, we, this is yeah. what we expect. Like we can we like we will give you a little bit of leeway here and there. I think, especially with TV versus some movies, but we we're not going to tolerate lazy. 
No, no, like as the fa- right. as fans of this, like we're not gonna just let it we're happen. Boring. You know, we won't. We won't. Well, so um, I think for the most part, I've always been pretty trustworthy of the people's uh, people um, who are who are in control of all this and do yeah. they do a pretty good job. There, like we said, we there are some things we can pick out, but I couldn't. I have pick a question. Out a whole lot. Yeah. I have a question for you. We, Please. you know, you you just mentioned all these projects on the horizon. Which one are you most concerned about? Which one are you worried that you're not gonna like? She-Hulk is the one that, that I've yeah I've been hearing and seeing some of the gra- the CGI stuff that that mm-hmm. could could seem a little bit wonky. That's the for one me, that I'm yeah. For me, it's that and Miss Marvel. They're both. I just wonder if they're gonna come out at a time when they're they're just gonna be undercooked a little bit and mm-hmm. maybe just not in my wheelhouse. I'm, I, I I'm gotta say, hoping I'll be pleasantly surprised. I was surprised. Let, let me. When I went to look right now before we started to kind of see when mm-hmm. the schedule of everything coming up, I was surprised that that is starting in two weeks. Like That's I didn't really didn't tight, feel, especially with Obi Wan happening yeah, right now. Like exactly, it's going to be happening as Obi Wan's happening, and I, I was surprised. I didn't think it was till a little bit later, but I guess it makes yeah. sense. They they usually do these shows to lead into one of their movie releases. So it'll yeah. probably be like right. episodes for like the month that leads into Th- Thor: Love and Thunder. So, um, wow, yeah, um, that, I mean th- that just says it all right there. Like, there's just they're packing it in so much. Mm-hmm. I almost think something's got to give, but until right? they really, really, you know, shit the bed, I'm not gonna, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna put my car really, before the horse here. And like Eternals is the one that I think we'll kind of come back mm-hmm. to and say. And what's funny is like that wasn't. The op- that was the opposite. That wasn't even undercooked. That was like overcooked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they they were trying to do too much with that movie, right? Instead right. of they like should have spread it out, focusing yeah. in on little things, little tidbits here and there. And so we'll uh, we'll see if if Miss Marvel and She Hulk have any uh, issues with the that we've had with some of the Disney Plus shows, yeah. or maybe they're not. Maybe maybe now they're getting to a point where it, we. They go, hey, look, we've only had like five of these shows, right? We're going to figure out mm-hmm. like maybe the pacing better or the what we want to do or how we want to tell sure. these stories a little bit better. So maybe they can sort of get the sense of it better because this show, the pacing and stuff for Moon Knight felt like one of their best attempts so far. Absolutely. Uh, and I don't know if it was just the people involved with it. I think they got some really good guys for it. Uh, in watching Assembled, they said that um, I think the guy's name is Muhammad Diab. But he's the executive producer who, when he pitched his vision for the show, he pitched a, tw- a 200 page uh, like outline. Like to me, that's that's detail. That's a level of detail and vision that needed to exist in order to make something like this and make it good. Uh, I love that they're getting guys that are that committed, um, men and women that are that committed to uh, telling great stories and unique stories and using the platform and the machine of you know the marvel uh, movies and mcu to, to do so uh and uh, when that when there's a that marriage of uh, you know that machine and uh, a great artist and it, and it works i think they can create something that's really unique and interesting that's what we got here uh w- with moon knight it was it was a great experiment and i hope they continue uh to to try to replicate uh this experiment with by by just putting the right people on these stories and giving them the resources and the uh the commitment to tell it yep people that care let them care about these stories mm-hmm. put them that that's what you said you could just 
the little details about mm-hmm. how Egypt looked and things like that, that makes this whole experience so much better with Moon Knight. And uh, next week, we head to the multiverse of madness. Doctor Strange. Ooh. We will uh, we'll watch it and we'll uh, we'll look everything up and uh, and dive into uh, you know um, some comic stuff and some tangents. And that way, we can come back next week and talk about everything Doctor Strange. I gotta say, I am just <laughs> in freaking love with Elizabeth Olsen. God, I love I love yeah. her so much. She's just on that short list for me. It was WandaVision was the show that kind of vaulted her mm-hmm. on my personal celebrity like crush list up towards Same. the top because I always had <laughs> like I always thought she was attractive and very good at what she did but she was sort of like oh look it's Elizabeth Olsen she's so sweet and cute you know and like she does such a great job and then watching her as the mom and then the crazy yeah. woman and just like how talented she is and the range she has yeah. I like I like fell for her Throughout that show, I was like, oh my gosh. And and so now when she pops up, like anytime yeah. she pops back up, I'm just, I'm like goo goo eyes for, uh, for Wanda. So I'm excited to go spend a little bit more time with her and we'll talk all about her character, how they portrayed her, Doctor Strange, the multiverse mm-hmm. and everything going on in the, yeah. the movie Doctor Strange. And then a couple weeks, we'll be into Miss Marvel. TK, my friend, another one in the books, man. When we start, I, after we do each of these shows, I'll like post on social media, you know, the full the full show link. So if people want to go back yeah. and like and they're binging, and it's like incredible to look at. I've got the little like database where it's like, wow, yeah. like Wandavision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, yeah. What If, Hawkeye, them up. you know, and, and now we're now we're getting like even the movies too with. You know, yeah. we had Black Widow and Spider Man oh, now, know. and we're gonna. Yeah. So we're, uh, yeah, we're we're starting. We've got a nice little uh, a little bank that we're storing up of all of this Marvel MCU content. You know, if there's ever anything happening with a new show, a new movie, a new release, we're gonna be talking about it here on That's What G Said with our main man Tim Kelly. TK, my friend, I know the schedules have been crazy over the last few weeks. Thank you so much for being flexible, for changing, Thank you. for helping out when you've been on the East Coast and back and forth. And uh, I really appreciate it, man. I Sometimes I'm like, ah, you know, I can we can do it. I just want to make I love talking about this stuff with you. I'd rather even if we have to wait sometimes a few extra days or a week. I love uh, I really enjoy the uh, the deep dive conversations that we have. And uh, I know a lot of the listeners out there really like the like our conversations, too. So. Thank you so much, buddy. Oh, thank you. And uh, we'll chat you. next week. Make sure to give Tim a follow at Tim is not funny. Check him out on Twitter and on Instagram. Check out the music project, Ice Cream Fire. And uh, TK, my friend, you have a great rest of your weekend. I look forward to talking to you next week. Same to you. And do not go anywhere, folks. We have a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. That's going to do it for this episode. That's what G said. Big thanks to Matt Velasco. He'll be with us now each and every week talking some Obi-Wan Kenobi. Big thanks to Tim Kelly. We've got Doctor Strange coming up for you next week. We'll do a deep dive on Doctor Strange movie, and then we're going to get into Miss Marvel. So we have a lot coming up in the world of Marvel for you, and hopefully we made you some money out at Louisiana Downs. I'm going to be talking about LAD each and every day. If you're not paying attention Keep an eye on Louisiana. They race Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Seven race cards every day, so just a a couple hours. Always a nice pick four and a pick five for you to jump into. 15% takeout, and uh, fields are getting 
real big now, as I mentioned on the, the Tuesday field sizes. So if you ever need any help out at Louisiana Downs, I'm, uh, I'm happy to help, uh, help you. I'll, I'll be looking at every race there every day. And we'll be back a little later on in this week with another episode of That's What G Said.